Welcome back to the TNT BNB podcast. On these episodes, we will be bringing in a guest host to rank our favorite movies from a certain year. So sit back, mix a drink, and enjoy the show. Listener beware, we will be spoiling the shit out of all of these movies. Here we go again. We are continuing our trek backwards in the years, and we are at 1996. Gone back a quarter century now. Which, in all honesty, this is the worst fucking year I think we've done. Probably. I kind of agree, because there was that one night you and I were like, oh, let's watch some 96 movies, and we we both, (laughs) I was on my phone looking, you were on your list, and I'm like, I, and I didn't say it until you said it, but I'm like, I don't want to watch any of this fucking shit. Like none of there wasn't really a movie that I hadn't seen that was like, oh shit, no, I can now I can watch this movie. Yeah, I agree. So there is a couple that I just watched out of interest of whether it's popularity or just knowing about it. But right, yeah, I agree. It's it's probably the roughest since the O two ish range, maybe. Yeah, and like you've mentioned before, we. We didn't really delve as deep as we could have on those. So. Sure, for sure. But yeah, this... Sorry, 1996. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, I mean, that was the big Olympic year. The Olympics are going on oh, now. Yeah. And Atlanta. Yeah. yeah. Which big, we just, we just watched, watched Richard Jewell. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, it was like a Michael Johnson with those... Uh, yeah, gold shoes. Yeah. yeah. But do we even need to mention what we're drinking? Drinking the huge McMaster's and Diet Pepsi. Indeed. Um, and we did, we did cut this one a little short. We're only doing seven top seven and the worst aging instead of what we have been doing was top nine. Yeah, top nine plus the age plus that we were doing. Nine. So really eight movies each. Yeah. So we cut out two. We'll go back. Up, I think next year. So yeah, I think Probably next year we for can, a little while. Yeah, yeah, I think ninety five for sure. Then we'll get to ninety four. Ninety four is, one is of a the big year. Strongest years I have been for okay, sure. That's like a famed 94. year. It's like ninety nine. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I mean, you want to kick us off? I guess I will. You always do. So this movie I actually saw in theaters with my stepdad. Um I loved it when I was a child, but I'd never, I haven't rewatched it in, I don't know, five, ten years. Did you rewatch it for this or not? No. No, okay. But um, it's Black Sheep. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> IMDb of 6.3, no meta. Tomato score of 28% and audience of 70%. Worldwide, 32.417, yeah. Bunch of 32 try, million, 32.5 million. Let's okay. just round up. Um, director was Penelope Spears, Penelope Spears, yeah. Chris Farley, Davis Spade, um, Gary Boosley, which we just saw. Busey, yeah, yeah, he was in Sharknado, yeah, <laughs> of course he was. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's basically a political uh, guy running for office. His brother's a fuck up, so he hired a guy to hide him, basically, and make sure he was behaving. And everything he did was by accident. But people are trying to, you know, frame him for doing things. And he was just a big klutz. And that's all it was. 
Um, but yeah, I loved it then. But like I said, I saw it in the last ten years, and I was like, yeah, this is not. I haven't seen that since probably high school. I, I always confuse the movies too because there's a few movies with Farley and Spade. Yeah, yeah. And Tommy Boy, I think, which is next year. Mm-hmm. I just kind of forget. Yeah. Um. Spade wasn't in Beverly Hills Ninja, was he? I don't I think, think he was he. They might have been. They're he might have been like I thought maybe he was. Yeah. Actually, but I mean that as that kind of feeds into the day today now with like the whole voter fraud bullshit and all that. Yeah. <laughs> so who's it's you said it's Farley's brothers like a politician? Yeah. Yeah, it's Spade's just brother. there to protect. I'm trying to remember. It's it's probably been longer than high school. It's probably back middle school when I saw it. Yeah, he's trying to help his brother's campaign. I think it takes place in like Washington or something, if I remember. Correctly. Yeah, it does. It's Washington State. Okay. And so they just kind of. But no, he's not in it. Okay. Oh, okay. Send him out on the road to campaign for him, but just kind of keep him out of the way. Yeah. And of course, it doesn't work. Yeah. He's just an accident prone motherfucker. And everything he does, like he got, like the place that he worked for was for youth for kids and it got burned down, but it made it look like of how he reacted that he burned it down and they have pictures <laughs> oh, of it and right. stuff. Yeah. And he's out there flipping around. And yeah, I mean, I've seen this movie a ton of times, but more when I was younger. Um, but yeah, it just didn't age well. It's like something about Mary and. The last one is just a comedy that was great for that time, but it's usually comedies with these. Yep, for sure. Exactly. All right, we're good. Yeah. All right, my age the worst is another comedy, Kingpin. Mm. Tomato meter fifty, audience sixty nine percent, IMDb a six point nine, Metascore forty three. It's written by Barry Fanaro and Mort Nathan, directed by the Farrelly Brothers. Of course. Budget of twenty-seven million, U.S. twenty-five, worldwide twenty-five. It's got Woody Harrelson, Randy Quaid, Bill Murray, and Vanessa Angel. There are some funny parts in this. I did laugh a couple times, like yeah. It's... But this is basically in this movie, I'm, for the audience, but like it's about Woody Harrelson's like this high school bowling star, he's state champion, he goes pro, and this is in the seventies, and Bill Murray's is like. He's like the star on tour and he's a hot shit guy. And one night he's like, you want to make some extra money after he, like he loses to Woody Harrelson? He's like, sure. And they go to this private bowling place and like basically just um, con him, like make him think that they're shitty. Yeah. And then they end up winning and there's like a priest there. One guy's gross. He's like a priest in the town. And then when they leave, he realizes he saw his bowling ring, like a state champ ring, and they go and fucking Bill Murray leaves him, leaves him for dead kind, and he gets his hand put in the bowling Bowl, ball, ball yeah. return, which I'm kind of curious what would really happen. I'm sure they must have sorts of protection, something, especially after this movie came out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you're thinking like this came out. Was this set in the ni- late '90s or was more late? Like earlier, like the yeah, 80s. it's it comes back in the nineties. That's okay. So, so he lost fl- his hand in he the flash 80s. forward. He's like a alcoholic. He lives in like a trailer, or no, not yeah. trailer, but like a sh- beat down apartment. Yeah. And he has to s- sleep with his landlord to get to pay the rent. He's <laughs> like an old. She's ass like nasty. She's got like right. dirty underwear and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, 
which that was the part that made me laugh. There's a part where he looks in the rear view later in the movie and you see her going like, like tongue <laughs> yeah. between the fingers, like, <laughs> and you're just like, oh God. But he meets, he goes to a bowling alley, he sells like appliances or polish or something for the bowling alley. And they're like, I told you last week, I don't need anything. And he hears, you know, the pins hit and he's like, who the hell is this? And it's Randy Quaid who's Amish and he goes yeah, bowling even right. though he's not supposed to. <laughs> and he decides to recruit him and try to make him a star and they go on a road trip to go to reno to be in this tournament and he ends up having to play because randy quaid breaks his hand punching him i think he punches some guy out i can't oh it might be bill murray yeah yeah i watched this pretty i I actually did rewatch this because i was just curious i didn't rewatch it but i I did not need to rewatch it i don't remember how the girl factors in like um she they try running the con again him and randy quaid on this guy and the rich guy that's his girlfriend okay and this is where the age worse stuff comes in because there's like the stuff where she goes to the fridge and they're like her her nipples are hard when they come back and then like randy quaid's like i'll get the next beer and he grabs it and his nipples are hard <laughs> and they're like wet yeah. too <laughs> and they're like like some of it's funny but some of it like there's a scene where like woody harrelson and vanessa angel get in a fight and he's punching her and you can like see he's punching like fake tits like yeah. there's just like yeah. clearly like implants it's stupid shit like this i forgot too there's a cameo with roger clemens you remember that i don't know they go to like a diner and there's like a square dancing going on and randy quaid dances with some girl she's like oh my boyfriend won't mind and then he shows up it's roger <laughs> clemens and of course he's all roid raging and you're like oh, oh yeah it's sure. perfectly <laughs> but end up they don't he doesn't win the tournament because they the tournament's for a million dollars so him and harrelson and murray get to it murray beats him at the very end but he ends up getting um, like rubber glove, like some sort of like endorsement that's worth like a million dollars. <laughs> and he saves part of his, the Amish, the farm needs money. Mm-hmm. And they raise the, the money. He gives them the money through it. So One thing that was funny about that was during their final bowling tournament, uh, Bill Murray's hair just keeps oh, getting yeah, more just, and more yeah, fucked up. Yeah, fucking wild. Murray's great in it. They're actually, that, I actually enjoyed most of the characters. It's just... It was between this and one other one for me, comedy-wise, and I'll be honest, it was Happy Gilmore. Yeah. But I've seen that enough yeah. where I actually like parts of it, and I'm like, ah, no, Kingpin's yeah. going to win out I on this I almost one. chose Happy Gilmore, but like you said... There's I... still parts that make me laugh pretty yeah. good, even 25 years later. Sure. But that's mine. All right, mine is not a comedy. Uh, John Carpenter's Escape from Los Angeles. Is an IMDb of 5.7, Metascore of 54, Rotten Tomatoes of 53% tomato meter, 39% audience. Had a $50 million budget. Domestically, $25,477,365, which was the worldwide gross. It didn't have a worldwide release. Directed by John Carpenter. Written by John Carpenter, Deborah Hill, and Kurt Russell. Have you seen this? I've seen New York, but I've never New seen York? LA. Okay. I like New York. I like New York Yeah, New a York's lot. good. This, the effects in this movie are, it looks like a PC DOS video game. Well, I watched right? the trailer with you, I think, yeah, and I was like, whoa. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's the same character. Uh, essentially, Los Angeles has been broken off of the United States. The president is using the island of Los Angeles as a essentially an Alcatraz to put anybody there from Any the country. Unwanted, basically. Yeah, 
I think they might even call them like deplorables or something. Oh, okay. <laughs> like so. And his daughter, the president's daughter, steals a weapon that takes, uses the satellites to take out any electronic place from pinpoint accuracy. So the air idea was she has this terrorist boyfriend she met online. And she steals that, and they're going to send the world back to the Stone Age, just wipe out all of like electronics across the world. So they bring Snake Plissken in, played by Kurt Russell, to go in and steal back the device. Okay. And it's just what you'd expect. It's like Mad Max. It's a dystopian fucking world. He's got to fight all these people. It's got uh, Steve Buscemi's in it. Okay. He's kind of a dickhead. Bruce Campbell cameos as what they call the God damn it, what was his character's name? I don't remember. But he plays a small role and he's Bruce, he's playing Bruce Campbell, yeah. But it's just it just looks terrible. You watched this again then? I did watch this, yeah. Cuz I had a pretty good idea that this was going to be my worst staged and had you seen it before? I had, yeah. Oh, okay, I guess that makes sense because you had to see everything. I saw it in high school because I think, like, Escape from New York came out in, like, the late 80s. It and might have been early 80s, I thought. It might have been. I thought it was, like, 83 or... And I've always been a big Carpenter fan. Yeah, the thing so, is an all-timer. But, yeah, this movie just does not hold up at all. But... Were there any other, like, who played the president? Anybody of note or... Yeah, bit. I mean, Pam Greer's in it. Okay. She cameos in it. I did recognize a couple other people, but I mean, they're just kind of bit actors. And I can't remember from New York, like, what time period is this supposed to be? I know it's this the future, is in the future. But... I think this one was like twenty thirty five or something like that. Getting close. <laughs> <laughs> and we yeah, have far I've surpassed never... anything that. This LA might actually break off by then. <laughs> yeah, right. I've never seen this or heard of it. Well, you've heard of Escape from New York, right? He's nodding. Yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not a very good sequel. The effects are, especially in a like when with The Rock and Independence Day and other movies that effects that hold up. Yeah, yeah. This one doesn't at all. <coughs> it is horrific. It's too bad, especially because the budget was like twenty million or something. Fifty. Oh my god. Yeah. Well, it made twenty some million. Yeah, it made twenty five. Huh. So. <laughs> yeah, not good. On to seven. All right. Well, this is one I enjoyed. You know. You never even heard about it until like a year ago. Um, but it was one fine day. That <laughs> made your last? Yeah. yeah. I like this movie. That's a good no idea what that is. Um, IMDb a <laughs> 6.5. No meta. Tomato 51%. Audience 66%. Worldwide 97.5 million. No budget that I could find of. Director was Michael Hoffman. Um, Michelle Pfeiffer, George Clooney. Um, <clears throat> it's basically two divorced parents that have kids and they're both workaholics. 
and they got stuck with their kids one day like the schools were closed or they end up missing their field trip um so they they had to share a taxi and they're like okay how about i'll take take both of them to do this and you come pick them up and do this well end up their phones getting switched and um it was just one hell of a day like it's like a rom-com it's a comedy drama yeah um but yeah it's just it's it's definitely held up throughout the years like when we watched it like a year or two ago like it was on yeah TV. it was the first time i've and seen it it's during covid and i'm like you've seriously never seen this and it was just starting and we left it on and you're like that wasn't bad but no it held up it's definitely a rom-com that held <laughs> up and it's george clooney and michelle pfeiffer like yeah george clooney is an investigative reporter who's story is about to blow up because whoever his insider was is recanting something like that okay michelle pfeiffer is like an architect who's got a big uh, firm. well she's trying to get partnered in her firm by giving this presentation that she has to do so they're busy and, and yeah, they both have to watch their kids so they kind of switch off. I'll watch your kid and mine while you go do this. If you watch the kids while I go do that. And gotcha. Just a series of mishaps. Yeah, like the kid ended up in the or the doctor's office because he stuck something up his nose. Yeah. And she ends up losing his kid at one point, his daughter. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's a typical rom-com film. But, yeah. And it ends as you'd expect. They end up together. But it takes place over like the course of two days or a single day. A single day. Is it a single day? That's why it's called One Fine Day. It's basically their whole day of dealing with some bullshit of watching their kids. And um, the one person, the wife that left her kid with uh, George Clooney, like he doesn't really have a. She's desperate. She's leaving on her honeymoon. And she was very scared leaving her own kid with her father. And his apartment was not even finished yet. Like it was looked like it was middle remodeling. Wait, so they're not divorced from each other? No, they're okay. strangers at the beginning of the film. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. But they they they're like, oh, so and so is gonna come with their daughter and meet you or something, and then. Gotcha. That makes more sense now. Yes, yeah, it's a good flick. It's I mean, the paint by numbers rom com from the nineties, but. I mean, that's the two of them at Enjoyable. the height of their powers. Yeah. yeah, it didn't age badly. It was probably just... one of his first movies, honestly. He's deep into ER at yeah. by 96. Yeah. 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 But, you know, like I said, not much more to say about that movie. Just that it's just a good watch. <clears throat> Both the kids I recognized. Um, See, and I did not. That's why I didn't write them down. The the daughter is, if I remember correctly, she was the president's daughter from Independence Day, so she had a pretty good, pretty good year. Oh, that's um. It was also gone on to do shit. May oh, Whitman. May Whitman. Yeah. yeah, she's like pretty famous. I because I rewatched Independence Day and I was like, holy shit, it's May Whitman. <laughs> yeah, and the, even the son, Alex Linz is his name. I think he did ended up doing some shit too, or worked as a child actor. He looked familiar. Holy shit, I saw this guy in the cast. I thought it was John Oliver for a second. I was like, whoa. <laughs> it does look like John Oliver. Home Alone. John Robin Bates is this guy's name. Oh, he's in Home Alone 3. Right? Yeah. 
Oh, fuck that. Yeah, <laughs> that's... But, no. So actually, my number seven ties in to someone in your movie because we were talking about him, George Clooney in From Dust Till Dawn. Mm. I didn't get a chance to rewatch that. Tomato meter is sixty-two, audience seventy-six, IMDb is seven point two, Metascore forty-eight. Written by Robert Kurtzman and Quentin Tarantino, directed by Robert Rodriguez. Had a budget of nineteen million, made twenty-five point eight million U.S. Also worldwide, twenty-five point eight. It's got George Clooney, Quentin Tarantino, Harvey Keitel, Juliette Lewis, Danny Trejo, and Selma Hayek. Uh, basically, first half of this movie is bad guys on the run type movie. It's Tarantino and Clooney are brothers. Tarantino breaks Clooney out of prison. And Clooney is more level-headed. Tarantino's a psycho. And they, like, shoot up. Actually, that opening scene, uh, John Hawks is in that opening scene. I was like, holy shit, who, I know this guy. And I was like, young John Hawks. <laughs> He's like the fucking cashier and the sheriff comes in. There's already been like a shootings around the area. And then you find out when he goes to use the restroom that like Clooney and Tarantino come out with like hostages and they're like, we told you not to fucking talk to him basically. Like, <laughs> like get him on. And they, they keep thinking, Tarantino keeps thinking he's tipping him off and he's not really. <laughs> right. So Tarantino just kills everybody in there. Um, And then... They have like a hostage in the hotel room that they took with them because I think they robbed a bank or something. Cause she, yeah, she worked at a bank. And at the motel, Harvey Keitel and his family are there. He's got his wife is dead. He's a former pastor or minister or something. His daughter's Juliet Lewis. The son I didn't recognize, but they end up getting in the motel, you know, and they end up taking their RV hostage. Basically, you're taking us into Mexico. And there's like a pretty tense scene where they're in the customs you know mm. and they're hiding out in the bathroom and shit and um they get in they get to a bar this bar they're supposed to meet at, i forget what it's called it's some it's a funny name of course like a tarantino type name yeah and cheech marin who plays like three different characters and he's like some guy outside like talking shit and they gets beat up and they go in and they're getting drinks and Sam Hayek comes out and dances the yep. snake on her yeah, and Danny Trail's a pretty iconic bartender scene. and <laughs> right when she's done, they all turn into vampires <laughs> and then it becomes a vampire movie. Yeah. And then of course, you know, some people die. Tarantino dies pretty quick. Clooney kinda actually he's not a good guy, but he kinda at least helps them. Yeah. Kaitel ends up getting bit and he they hold off. They end up finding this like deep office area where they create basically these weapons. Um, holy, like he blesses water to make holy water and stuff. Right. And you're talking about the titty twister. The titty twister, also yes. known as the Latelitia del Diablo. Yes. <laughs> and you know, at the very end, the only people left are Clooney, Juliet Lewis, and the guys that told them to meet there. And he's like, when they get out, he's like what the fuck like what why did you have us meet here of all places like right. it's always busy you know i thought it'd be kind of a fun fun place to go and he's like and then like he offers juliette lewis to come with him like you want to come with me and she says no and then he gives her some of the money because i don't know they it was from the robbery or they had some sort of deal with the guy because cheech marin plays of course the guy they're meeting with too so it's like yeah. he's playing different characters yeah and at the very end when they leave you see it come down from the back of the bar and it's like the um aztec like 
ruins behind. So it's like haunted, which doesn't make any sense, of course, (laughs) because they're not even in Mexico City for starters, but they're also like, what the fuck do vampires have to do with that? (laughs) It's just a curse or there's some flaws and some of the animation and animation um, effects are a little rough, but they're fun, though. Like it's. I remember I liked it a lot better watching it this time than I did the first time I yeah. watched it. I was kind of like, what the fuck the first time? But yeah, I knew what I was getting into the second time, and it was fun. I mean, Selma Hayek is a stripper you can't go wrong with. She's only in so, it for like yeah, I know, 180 but... seconds or something. Yeah. I guess. That's, That's 180 seconds that all you need right there. Yeah, it was, it was And I'm pretty sure they made a TV show. Wasn't there from they the episode? Sequ- was. They have sequel movies, too. Well, oh, are there sequels? Yeah, they're not. They looked... The oh, IMDb's sure. were like threes. I think it was sure. 2013 is when the. Because I know they did like a. How would you make a show on that? I have no idea, but. I you mean, you can make deep like some backstory. I think yeah, it's like some, some CW like bullshit gotcha. kind of fucking show, but. Going in, I was not expecting this to make my list. But yeah. I don't know if it's indictment of the year or just I enjoyed it a lot more the second time. So yeah, it could go either way. See, that was one of the movies like. I remember it being a little painful my first time watching it, so that's why I was like, yeah, I don't really care to see that. Tom, what's your George Clooney movie? I <laughs> uh, no. don't have one. <laughs> but, so my number seven, I'm hoping you guys can help me out with this because I didn't rewatch it. Okay. But Primal Fear. IMDb is 7.7, a meta score of 47. Rotten Tomatoes of 76% tomato meter, 89% audience. Had a $30 million budget. Domestically, $56,116,183. Worldwide, $102,616,183. It's directed by Gregory Hoblet. Hoblet? Hoblet. Written by Steve Shagan and Biederman. And based on the novel by William Deal. I'm assuming you guys have seen this. I've seen this. I own it. I did not rewatch it, though. I like this movie a lot, but I... It's got one of the better twists. Been like 20 years. And I think this is my introduction to Edward Norton also. He got nominated. Yeah, he was nominated. It was kind of his breakthrough, I think. That's what I thought, too. But the movie is essentially Edward Norton is... uh, Alter boy. Alter boy who gets arrested for murdering his priest. Yeah, it says here the archbishop. Uh, yeah. In Chicago. It takes place in Chicago. And uh, he's being represented by Richard Gere, who's just kind of this hot shot fucking attorney. And I mean, it's, typ- it's your typical court drama. I think Laura Linney is the prosecutor. Yeah. And they were. A couple, I believe, at one point. <laughs> I think so. It's but, probably been 10 years since I've seen this, but yeah. Yeah, I, it's... <coughs> sounds right. Um, It's your typical... I know John court... Mahoney's in it, too, Fraser's Day. Yep, he is. Uh, it's actually... I looked at the... Just through the IMDb shit. It had a pretty big fucking cast. Yeah, like I'm overall. looking at it right now. And Francis yeah. McDermott's in it? That's mm-hmm. what I was just to say. Andre yeah. Brower. I want to say... Uh, Stephen Bauer. Um, more a tyranny. Uh, goddamn. Who the fuck was the judge? Right. Anyway, was it John Mahoney? No, he got. Who did he play? He was like the Laura Linney's boss, like the district attorney. Oh, okay. 
And he was dirty. Everybody's fucking dirty in this movie. But it's just it's a courtroom drama, but as it's going along, you find out that the archbishop was, like, molesting altar boys and shit, and uh, Edward Norton's character being one of them, and at one point in court, he just fucking snaps. And he, he's just a timid guy with a stutter, and then all of a sudden his personality switches, and he's a psychopath. And mm-hmm. So then he re- or Richard Gere decides that he's got multiple personality disorder, and he's going to try and play that off to get him off, off of the guilty verdict. And it eventually works, but then at the end you find out that Edward Norton's character faked the whole goddamn thing. And yep. Yep. He created the timid person, and he was the psychopath all along. And yeah, I, I mean that's essentially how it ends. It's mm-hmm. like goddamn. Yeah, it's a good ending. Which wild. is too, which is interesting because like a couple years later, have you ever seen the score with De Niro? It's uh, one of Marlon Brando's yeah. last movies. Yeah, yeah. Norton plays it's a different story, but he plays somebody who is like just kind of mentally disabled and he's faking it the whole time. I was like, they did this again with Norton. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Which is why that movie probably wasn't very good. If I remember, but, but no, I just, no, I liked primal fear. I just, and it's funny because I own it. I just never took the time to, to rewatch it during this. I, it may not have been on my list after the rewatch, but that twist, I mean, I just remember that. It's like watching that the first time. It's like, holy fuck. I did not see that coming at all. Look how old he was in this. So he had to be in his probably his mid twenties or something. Uh, He's born in '69, so he's 27. I think he was playing like a 19, 20, 21 year old. He looks young in the pictures. But no, that was a. That's a I I like that movie a lot, and I totally forgot about it. Wish I would have rewatched it, but. Yeah, Yeah, I kind of wish I had too, but. Live and learn. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'm going to another movie I never, I have not rewatched, but I don't have to. God, you guys watch anything this year? (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's a lot of movies I didn't need to rewatch because I've seen it so many times. And the reason why I chose this one was because of the quotes. So I chose Jerry Maguire. I was never a big Jerry Maguire guy. I love Jerry Maguire. I did not rewatch this. I thought it was okay. IMDb a seven point three, Meta seventy seven percent, Tomato score eighty four percent, audience seventy nine percent, worldwide two hundred seventy three point five million dollars, budget was fifty. Um, director writer was Cameron Crowe. Crow. Crow. Tom Cruise, Cuba Gooding Jr., Renee Zellweger. Kelly Preston, Jerry O'Connell. Oh, Jerry O'Connell. <laughs> um, a lot of big stars in this one. Um, basically, Didn't Cuba win for this? Yeah, he won Best Supporting Actor. Yeah. Yeah. Cruz but was nominated. You got Show Me the Money. You got um, Who's Coming With Me. You Complete Me. You Complete Me. You Complete Me. Like, the quotes go on and on with this movie. But it's basically about this top sports agent who gets fucked gets fired starts his own thing um basically life goes really shitty for him 
Yeah, Rod Tidwell. I remember his name. That's how Cuba Gooding <laughs> Jr. plays. Isn't he like a Cardinals receiver? Yeah, Cardinals. Dude, he was a receiver. I know, but I don't. Yeah, it's for the Cardinals. Arizona. 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 <laughs> I think he was actually legitimately good in this movie. Yeah. I, I, uh, I just don't know what the hell happened work. to him. Yeah. But, I mean. <laughs> he played radio and went full retard. It fell apart before that. He did that one with like the snow dogs or whatever, and he was on like the cruise movie, Rat Race. Hey, Rat Race is good. It's okay. I, I was not a big Rat fan Rat of Rat Race. Mr. Bean, man, go fuck yourself. Wait, Cuba- Mr. Bean always kind of pissed me off. Well, fuck off. Well, like Cuba, <laughs> Cuba is in Boys in the Hood. Though that's before this. That was before this, yeah. I, yeah, I guess you could make an argument that that's his best role. I don't know if it's his best, but it's at least. Pretty big before that, uh, I guess. But I don't know. I this well, movie was always the movie like you know ninety six. So how, I was. How does Zellweger fit into it again? Like, well, who is she? Is she just some woman he meets? She's the one that like has a crush on him, and he's like, "Who's coming with me?" And she's like, "I will." So he, she she quit her job at the agency. Oh, so she works for him. I'm trying to works for him. She doesn't know who he is, but oh. she just had a crush on him. What a weirdo. So, so then. Um, <laughs> As they're walking out, he starts scooping the fucking fish out of the fish aquarium. He's like, I'm taking these with me. So then he starts his own agency, and he's like, oh, I have to bring her with me because she just quit her job. So she becomes his secretary, and then they fall in love. And it was her son. like the- And that's yeah, what, and was- that's the only reason why he fell for her at the beginning was because of the son. And she started realizing that, like, oh, my God, he only loves her, him, not me. That nerdy ass kid, <laughs> and yeah, um, they end up getting married, and well, there's isn't there on the plane, isn't there a plane scene at the end or something? The you complete me, isn't that on like an airplane, or am I misremembering? Yeah, this? he went. I don't like, think that was on the was, airplane. She was leaving. No, she's no, leaving. She yeah, was yeah, leaving. Yeah, she yeah. got the other job because she couldn't afford him anymore. And then he went running to the U-Haul, proposed to her, and says, you complete me, and he gives her a ring, and that's when they got engaged. Okay. And if I remember, Kelly Preston was a smoke show in this movie, mm-hmm. wasn't she? Have you ever seen her in, like, the 80s? Ooh. Not that I can remember offhand, but... Yeah, she was... She was a nice... I mean, she was still good-looking even later, but... And she's R.I.P. married to Travolta? She died. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right, breast cancer. Yeah, she had breast cancer. But she was married to Travolta? Yeah. Yeah, Poor John Travolta. About 20 Let's years. be real about that. Like his kid, his wife. Oh yeah. Like, oh yeah, I forgot about the kid. Yeah. Yeah. Poor guy. The fake hair. <laughs> Scientology. There's a lot going on for him. <laughs> Some of the rapey new movies he did. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh fuck. He might as well top me too. Um. But yeah, I mean, I haven't rewatched that in a long time. I I thought it was fine when I saw it. I enjoyed it. it. I always enjoyed that movie. I, again, I've seen a lot of these in the last five ten years because I've had HBO and Cinemax. Yeah, it's so. on HBO now. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it's on like all those every now and then. So there's times I wake up and I was like, oh, let's put this on and I'll watch it while I'm on the phone. In fact, I almost watched it last night, but I watched something else, and I'm glad uh, I did. But yeah. But yeah, that's. I always thought the movie was fine, but I was never a huge fan of it. Yeah, which is weird because I love Cruz. Zellweger, that was when she was like at her cutest. Probably. Yeah, she was pretty cute. Was this was this her 
I mean, I think was probably Bridget Jones before this. That was after. It was like okay. ninety nine, two thousand ish. Yeah, this was probably her biggest start with Tom Cruise. <clears throat> so Cruise and Gooding were nominated. Was Zellweger wasn't nominated? Was I she? don't think so. I'm not sure. I know Cuba won. Cruise was up for Best Actor, but he lost to Jeffrey Rush. Oh, for yeah. Shine. I also considered watching, but no time. Just off, off, how many nominations does Cruz have? Because he's never won. Born on the 4th of July. I think just Born on the 4th of July and Jerry Maguire. Is that it? Yeah, yeah even like Rain Man, that was Dustin Hoffman's movie. Like, Yeah. It's because he, I love Tom. Oh, Magnolia. So he was nominated for Magnolia. Had a convincing case to win, too. He was great in that movie. That's actually one of those like he's always Tom. It's I see him and I love him, but he it's he is always playing Tom Cruise. Pretty much. Except yeah. like in Magnolia, I don't know the last time you saw that, but he plays. It's a lot different. Or Tropic Thunder. True. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Less gross. Loved Tropic Thunder with him. But my number six, if we're moving on, is Swingers. Tomato meter of 87, audience 89, IMDb a 7.2, Metascore 71. Written by John Favreau, directed by Doug Lyman. Had a budget of 200,000, made 4.55 million U.S. and worldwide. Stars John Favreau, Vince Vaughn, Heather Graham, or Ron Livingston. Um, about these guys uh, that live in L.A. and they're want to be like actors essentially i think livingston even moves there he's good friends with favreau's character favreau has like crippling ex-girlfriend itis basically like he can't go five minutes without bringing her up can't move on and vince vaughn's like his kind of his hype man but he's his best friend yeah and i love it because it was making me crack because i haven't seen this one in years too till what what till we redid this and where every every sentence he's like Oh, babe, baby, you're beautiful. Let's go get some beautiful babies, man. Like it's just like it's just like old timey talk, kind of. Sounds like something out of the fifties. A little bit, yeah. And one night he convinces him, even though he has like an audition in the morning to go to. I don't think Vegas. I think they might go to Reno. Maybe they do go to Vegas. They meet these girls. One of them works at a casino, and they lose all their money and shit. And uh, he's like, just just get a number, you know. And he's like, no. no. And then basically, he ends up ends up working somehow and they end up going back to her trailer in the morning with one of her friends. <laughs> and of course, like Vince Vaughn and the, like the hotter girl go into the room to like have sex. And you think, Oh, good. You know, uh, Favreau's going to break through. And he, of course, two minutes later, she's like, I can't believe she didn't call you back. Like kind of <laughs> like one of those, like, like he can't do, he just is cock blocking himself. Essentially. Yeah, for sure. And in fact, he cock blocks Vince Vaughn because he goes in and is like, hey, can I use your telephone? Because she's like, maybe you should call her. And so he like interrupts him and he's like, God. And he even comes out like in a towel. And it's startling watching this, how skinny they are. Oh, for sure. Especially Favreau. Like Favreau, Favreau looks like he's on Friends about a year later as Monica's boyfriend for like most of the season. He plays a I chef. Because oh, she's a chef. He's a businessman. He's actually a billionaire, I think, or a millionaire. Okay. But he looks more like Favreau than you I mean he probably put on 50 pounds by that time like it's oh, crazy yeah. and that was in yeah, like 97 98ish and he's 
kept it all on. He's still a big dude. Yeah, he's a fucking cool dude, though. Great director. Yes, sir. But um, basically, they have they have like their tight knit group of friends. They go to the same bars. They try to pick up chicks. They go to the same parties. They're aspiring actors. Everyone's kind of the same, but like his friends help him get out of it, kind of. And by the end of the movie, like he sees Heather Graham, which I mentioned her. She's barely actually in it. She's only probably in it for fifteen minutes. Yeah. He sees her at this club, and there's a swing dancing club. And she's like, you want to dance? And he's like, no, 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 like, I, I can't, I can't, you know. And they're making eyes at each other and starts dancing with her and they hit it off. And his friends are booking him like, oh, fucking look at him. Like, look at him go. <laughs> and he gets her number. And um, the the next day, because it was like a 40, you know, 48 hours, man. You can't fucking call her. Like, that type of shit. <laughs> right. She calls him and she even says to him, like, all my friends say not to do this for free. Like, she's a lot like him, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he gets a, he gets another call, and it's his ex. And she wants to talk to him, finally. And he lets her go. He's like, actually, I got another call. Like, I got to let you go. And that's basically, like, he makes the decision. Like, on. I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> he moved on. And uh, there's a great... You might remember this. Have you you guys have seen this or no? Yeah. It's, it's, been a it's an iconic time. scene, but it's super uncomfortable. It's like watching The Office or some shit where... He gets a girl's number at a bar and he leaves her like 13 voicemails. <laughs> Literally, it's like first one. He's like, hey, it's uh, whatever his name is. I think he messes his name up and then it's the machine ends. So he calls again. He's like, hey, I got cut off on the last one. And it, just, it keeps going. Yeah. And then finally, like she calls him in the middle of it. And is like, please don't call me. <laughs> but it, it's funny. It's It's kind of a nice like friendship movie. Helping your kind of a, helping your bros out, helping your yeah. bros out during a bad situation, yeah. bad time. And his thing was like, bullshit. it had been like at least a year, I want to say. Mm-hmm. And Ron Livingston actually, I really liked his part because he's the friend that moves there. That's also an actor, and he tells him, "I've been through this, man." And it, it kind of hit me. I, I mean, I'm fine as I am now, but six, eight months ago, I probably wasn't as good with my situation. Yeah, but like. Or Ron Livingston's like, I miss missing her. Like, it's not even like you kind of miss missing that person. You miss missing something. Yeah, right. exactly. And like, it's like the dialogue. I was like, Ron Livingston's actually in this movie is a good actor. Like, I mean, I love Office Space, but you don't see him in a lot of other shit, really. Not so much, but. I mean, I know he's got some cam. Isn't he an Anchorman or one of those? Doesn't he have some small role in one of those? He's like a set. No. Nah. Yeah, oh, he's in the Conjuring. He's in the con. He's the dad in the Conjuring. Yeah. Guess I'm thinking of the seventies. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. He would have fit an anchor man. It's just like a newscaster. Yeah. I feel like. Yeah. No. Yeah. I was, good friendship movie. I liked it. I. A lot of people love this fucking movie, but it was big. I it had a big. It actually gets credited a little bit for bringing back swing music. Like the swing music craze came on like a year or two after this too. With like remember those yeah remember those uh. Dockers commercials, or was it Dockers or Old Navy that would always have the swing music with the? Yeah, it was Old Navy. Old Navy. Yeah. It was Old Navy. And then like it was like Big Bad Voodoo Daddy and like yeah. uh, he had like those almost ska fucking. Yeah, what's that one? Never. My sister. Knock on wood. What was that? Uh, you know what I'm talking about? I know what you're talking about, but that my... was a big like two or three year thing. Cherry Pop and Daddies. Like, yeah, that was a big. My sister, she did uh, um. What do they do in high school? Like uh, talent, talent show. show. Like she had like 
there's seven they of them, and they one. did a whole swing thing, and I'm pretty sure somebody sprained their ankle in the middle of that, <laughs> but I can't remember the whole. My story. point is, I think this movie actually had a lot of influence. It does. It did affect culture. For and there was a Swingers two, and it did not do as well. I'm sure nobody involved. It wasn't called. Either. No, it was. It wasn't called Swingers two. It was called something else, but it was the. It, it was, was directly the same this. characters. I'll have to look up. And carry on. I just I forgot what it was called. Yeah, it was a good movie. All right. Anything else you need to say about that one? Or I mean, it's been too long, so I don't have a lot of comments on it. All right. Well, my number six is William Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. Yep, that's on mine. You bastards. <laughs> and I'm to be a six point seven, a meta score of sixty. Rotten Tomatoes, seventy-two percent tomato meter, seventy-seven percent audience. Had a fourteen and a half million dollar budget. Domestically, forty-six million three hundred fifty-one thousand three hundred forty-five dollars. Worldwide, one hundred forty-seven million five hundred fifty-four thousand nine hundred ninety-eight dollars. It's directed by Boz Lerman. Written by Craig Pierce, Boz Lerman, and obviously based on. William Shakespeare's play. Does Lerman ever always do musical stuff? I know the um, name. It's kind of, it's like yeah. one of the, he did Chicago or no? He did no. Or Moulin Rouge. I think he did Moulin Rouge. But it's not even musical shit because I mean music plays a part in this, but oh, okay. it's not like a musical. No, it's not. Like I hate musicals. This is more of a. I don't know, modern, modern day Romeo and Juliet with two gang members and, you know. Like, so the families are gangs, kind of like West Side yeah. Story yeah, in a way. They're, they're competing. Mafia. They're not, you could argue that they're mafia. But I've never seen this. I've seen, I know the story, Romeo and Juliet. I've seen the 60s movie. It take, It's shot like it takes place in modern times, but... It still uses the old English, like it's verbatim the oh, okay. play of Romeo and Juliet. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So that, and I, I hate Shakespeare. Like I've tried, I've read, forced to read it in high school and shit, and oh, I yeah. fucking hate it. But I did like this movie. Yeah. Was... I mean, for a cast, it's got, I mean, Leonardo DiCaprio and Claire Danes, or Romeo and Juliet. You got, uh, John Leguizamo. I believe playing Tybalt. Oh, wow. Um, Brian Dennehy plays uh, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's dad. And God, I can't remember who played Mercutio, a black guy. But he's well known and pretty good. But it, I mean, it's the same fucking play. They say Verona. They make it look like Brazil almost. Because hmm. I originally thought like they have that whatever the fuck the that statue is in statue Brazil. In Brazil. Well, I walked in when you guys were watching this probably three weeks ago. Probably yeah, when you guys it was watching it. earlier. And I remember just being like, this is not what I expected. And you're like, yeah, there's a lot of music in it. That's why I just I just assumed it was a musical. There is that. a lot of music in it, but the music is fucking fantastic. Yeah, the music. Like, you owned this on CD, I, correct? I had this soundtrack, yeah. Yeah, I just, 
<clears throat> it's just how they. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as of now, I wouldn't argue. With what that makes this? <laughs> what makes this so good? Is you don't have the old, like you still have the old English. You still have that kind of stuff, but it's not like you know castles and kings and queens. It is. It takes it's, into it's the, not the not mo- it takes it modern. It takes into the modern yeah. gangs and killings and. So it's like instead of sword killings, it's like fucking gun blasting. Or do they still keep the whole ending with the, you know, taking the poison stuff? Is that kind of the same? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then instead of it's like heroin. (laughs) Yeah, it was just a fucking drinking poison. Okay. But instead of I don't remember how Juliet ended up killing herself. She just stabbed herself. If I remember from the story, one of them sees the other and thinks they're dead. Yeah. So they kill themselves, and it's not yeah. right, and the other one kills himself because they killed themselves. Juliet, it was like something like that. Juliet. It's a tragedy. Was faking her death. Romeo found out she was dead, not knowing that it was fake, and then kills Killed himself. And then she and does then it. she wakes up, sees him dead, and kills himself. Are they still the Montagues and Capulets? Yep. Okay. It takes place in Verona. Okay. Um, And a, I don't remember the play all that well but they talk a lot about blades and long swords and shit i know it's been a freshman in high school i think when i all of the guns have names and it'll be like (laughs) the brian dennehy who plays uh his dad romeo's dad yeah romeo's dad he's like early in the movie he's like hand me my long sword his long sword is a fucking shotgun (laughs) <laughs> so, so the dialogue's the same but the it's dialogue like, that's is, actually funny as, as far as i could tell it is fucking verbatim the play wow so it was very interesting how they did that mm-hmm. and it's very eclectic in the way it's shot there's it's very colorful which is kind of boz lerman's thing what was uh i'm sorry again what was the how much did this movie make probably made a lot didn't it it, made, it did 147 yeah. point half worldwide on a 14 and a half budget dude if that came out a two years later after the titanic crowd could you imagine what that would have made oh my god that would have made like 500 million probably i'm not even kidding yeah because he was such a star at that point Mm -hmm. because up to this point he'd only done gilbert grape really and that western with hackman he's got the basketball and the basketball diaries but that was more indie-ish yeah for sure yeah, but it no, sounds I, like something I actually probably like. I, I liked it a lot. It's got. I don't really have an opinion on Shakespeare. I didn't read enough. I mean, I read Julius Caesar and stuff like that, but we did Hamlet. Yeah. Like that. But like, it's so old and language is it's just kind of hard to hard really like decipher sure. themes and you know it's just more about and the themes I, than the actual. I I mean dialogue. I know they've kind of done modernized movies of shakespeare shit like i think they did an othello that was florence pugh is in a um, lady macbeth yeah but kind of her breakout before but um, i mean that's like shot as a 14th century whatever. yeah if they were to modernize like well kenneth do branagh kenneth branagh does a ton of henry v and he does a lot of but again it's not movie. shot like this one was yeah shot this is m- unique modernized yes yeah, unique you can use the same dialogue but just modernize it yeah, I think I'd watch more Shakespeare shit. Yeah, let's I'd get, on the, I, let's get I was, on the phone with Boz Lerman's uh, fucking <laughs> yeah, right. agent and be like, "Yo, that's what I was trying to say." Is like they modernize modernize things, like well, like not make it so old school looking with castles and queens and kings. Like 
That shit's done. That shit's been made. You don't need to make that over again. Let's go into like today's times and do that kind of stuff. Like with the mobs. Like that was huge in the 90s. They did do another one though. They did like 10 things I hate about you is about taming of the shrew. So like, yeah, there are adaptations to, it's not direct, but it's, it's close enough. But I mean, I didn't know. I only knew that because of yeah. the trivia basically like, yeah oh. I, I would have had no idea that was based on anything shakespeare without and i know a lot of stories about. have themes but of course you're gonna have influence over yeah because yeah. you did it first you, or you just early can't on. get around it but if you were to do I'm sure the epic of gilgamesh still has influence because it's the oldest fucking known story essentially yeah. like well i mean the fuck the green knight is based on whatever fucking oh yeah. crazy ass poem or whatever yeah. but but yeah i think if they were to do other Shakespeare plays in this vein? You'd be I'd more be more. To I'd be more interested in. Yeah, I probably would. Sure. I think most people would. Well, and that's the thing is, like is, an English teacher. You could almost remake it now because the '90s is different. Now today's time is different. So there's. Yeah, I mean, you could. It'd definitely be different. I think it's interesting that you said it felt like it was in Brazil or something, though. It looked like it. It looked I mean, like it. Had, like, I thought it was actually shot in Brazil. I, well, then we saw that because I saw a big Jesus statue that they have in Brazil, and that's where I was like, "Oh shit!" But I guess that was like. I wonder if there's any place over in England that is Brazil-ish. Like, I mean, it was shot in California. Yeah, I'm so. sure that's true. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> fair, fair point. But yeah, it, I. It looked very Brazilian for some reason. I don't really really know why, but other than that statue. All right, yeah, five left each, right? Uh, he, I had that one. Oh. All right, my number five. Ladies and gentlemen, Scream. Yep. It's my number four. Tomato meter, 79, audience 79, IMDb 7.3. I'm pumped this is on both your lists. <laughs> We guys are watching it last night? Or two watched it last night. I was kind of like, oh, I hope they like it. It's Meta 65, written by Kevin Williamson, directed by Wes Craven. Budget of $14 million, U.S. $103 million, worldwide $173 million. Spawned three sequels and a fourth to come yeah. in 2022. Also called Scream. And a TV series. And, yep, and a MTV. It was on MTV, wasn't it? I think it was on MTV, yeah. It's got Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, David Arquette, Skeet Ulrich. Matthew Lillard, Jamie Kennedy, Drew, Drew Barrymore, and really enough, build. Henry Winkler. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about <laughs> all Which I love for five minutes that they, obviously I've seen it a million times, but where they tried making the audience feel like, is Henry Winkler the fucking killer? <laughs> yeah. Like, what? Come on. But yeah, like Drew Barrymore was in it for all of like, what, four minutes? She's on the poster she and top build. top build. That's a great way to do that. It is. Mm-hmm. And it's a really Neff Campbell's movie. I love I root, I root for Nev Campbell. And they're doing Ride a new die, one. Baby. They're doing 2022 with the same cast. I know at least her and Cox are in it. I don't no, know. No, Nev Campbell's in it, too. I just, That's what I said. No, Nev Campbell oh, and Corny Cox. Corny Cox and the whole team. Well, well have I'm you seen sure. Scream 4? I hate it. There's a not a lot time. of people left, I don't think. Yeah, I was going to say, a lot of them got knocked off. I mean, it might be just in, like, you know, back. like they What I love about this movie is... It's, in my, from what I can think of, it's the first horror movie that's self-aware that there's other horror movies. Correct? Like, do you think as about... As far as I can remember, It's really, like, yeah. 
telling you about the rules of horror movies through Jamie Kennedy's character, who's a video store clerk. Well, and like, uh, did New Nightmare come out before this? It was like 94-ish, maybe? But yeah, that one was pretty self-aware, but that was also crazy, well, I mean, too. just talking about, did that discuss other horror uh elements? no i guess that was just kind of self-aware fucking nightmare in elm street universe but yeah so i just want to bring this up real quick so it's about a woman returns home to try to find out who has done committing a series of vicious crimes as nev campbell it also has david arquette see i thought arquette, he got killed and one courtney of cox you think he dies in two jack quaid and ward Jack Quaid is from uh, the boys. Quaid's? Yeah. yeah. But yeah, there's Hopefully a Dennis. I think it's Dennis Quaid's son, actually. <laughs> but yeah. Stay away Who from Randy's directed boy. It? <laughs> yeah. Directors are Matt Bellatini Oplikin and Tyler Gillett. Aaron all of them. But yeah, it's set in Napa Valley. I think it has one of the best opening sequences. I know there's some. Sh- there's some cheesy, like when it cuts to the scream thing, like it's kind of cheesy because yeah, well, it's 25 years old. <laughs> yeah. But like, that's so, a great way to open your first 10 minutes of your movie. Like, phone call, the voice thing still holds up well, I think. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Especially when it gets angry when it's like, my one of my yeah, favorite parts. Hang on, me again, you bitch. I'll cut you. Whatever yeah, one of my favorite part got, got you like a fish. <laughs> yeah. One of my favorites is when, and I, I'm sure most people, the first time they saw it, <laughs> fell for it too of like, who is the killer in the fri- Friday the 13th? Well, and the- he goes, she goes, Jason, I've seen it a million fucking times. <laughs> yeah. Wrong. I love when he does the wrong. It's so like in your face, like wrong. So it was the- Mrs. Voorhees. So yeah. the one guy that directed the scream of 2022, um, Matt Bellatini Oplin, whatever, mm-hmm. he directed Ready or Not. Oh, okay. He's also part of VHSs. Yeah, I, did, I remember him being one of the, well, that's promising um so yeah i think that was fun but then the other guy oops let me fuck this phone we're right we can just keep moving <laughs> the scream i just i don't know i oh yeah rose mcgowan that was another thing that's probably oh, the best yeah. she ever looked yeah for sh- yeah <laughs> <laughs> she, she hasn't time has not oh. been good to her okay or neither was harvey weinstein apparently they both did ready or not uh, so they're a team. They're a team. They both did VHS. That makes sense. Another thing I enjoyed, though, about this is, like... Yeah. I enjoy that the shock of two killers the first time where you, you can see it. Look, I told you last night, I was like, it's kind of fun to look back and be like, who was the killer in who this scene? Who was at what point, yeah. And obviously, like, the cameraman, when he gets killed, that's clearly Matthew Lillard's character because you know, he's supposed to be pretending to be dead. Yeah. Um... Also, like rewatching, I know he ended up being shaggy and ruining his career, kind of. Yeah. Matthew Lillard had some promise as just a crazy motherfucker. Like he was overacting the shit out of it, but he was he was the most fun part of the rewatch, where you're just like, this guy is wild. Like yeah. I want to see this guy on the screen more. He's just fucking ridiculous. From the fucking second Skeet Ulrich fucking hops into a room, he looks like a goddamn creep, dude. Dude, you know what? They were saying, uh, they did this on Rewatchables, the Simmons one they do. Mm-hmm. He was a shoe, he was a young Johnny Depp, essentially. Yeah, he had that he look looked to a him lot for like sure. he was in shock a lot, which I always thought was Johnny Depp when I was a kid. I was like, yeah. oh, I Skeet Ulrich. But like, maybe he's in that too. 
Depp in that? Depp is in Chocolate. He looks yeah. just. Fu- they're both in it. That's the thing. He like fucking looks just like him. But he just. I don't know. He did Jericho on CBS for a long time. That's the only thing I really know that he's been in. But Jamie Kennedy, I don't understand his following he had for a few years there. Like, yeah, I don't. He was on like he had an MTV show or some shit. Yeah, I remember. Uh, then he had that shitty movie that was like Hollywood's most wanted. Wasn't he in the the Mask sequel? Oh, he was. Good Dear Lord. Lord. Yeah, I don't. I don't get that. Well, age bad on these. This is the second two are pretty bad. Two was okay. Three is bad. Hey, three has Jane Silent Bob on it. I'd have to rewatch. I for, I didn't know that at the time because I was a kid. Right. And then four, I saw that in theaters. That's the only one I saw in theaters. I saw it in I, college. I didn't see. Four. It was actually kind of fun. Yeah. It's got a lot of younger people, like Hayden Panettiere is in it, and like uh, Emma Roberts. And then two and three, they have some decent names. I mean, Leif Schreiber, you barely see him in the first one. Right. He, He's the one he that... He does come back He got convicted one. for killing Sadie's mother. Right. You find out later it wasn't him. And then, uh, like, G- Jackie Mac- or, uh, Laurie Metcalf, Aunt Jackie from Roseanne. Oh, yeah, yeah. The girl from Lady Bird. She's in number two. Timothy Oliphant. Uh, Jada Pinkett Smith. Omar Epps Parker Posey. Omar Epps. Like, there's a decent amount of that up-and-comer type i had forgotten that uh sydney nev campbell's character his mom was a slut yeah i forgot that until we rewatched it like that is that's the funny thing about this too is like he at least has motive what is what is matthew lillard's motive <laughs> well they even he's, he's some, like he's like the... he's like peer pressure <laughs> yeah, that's right <laughs> yeah because so who, who actually killed the mom the the guys did I'm guessing it was well, probably Ulrich just Skeet Ulrich did. at that point. And then he recruited Matthew Lillard to do the everything that it happened. It was all in planned out too. Was the year anniversary like they planned it out? That <laughs> so that's what really happened. And of course, he got to that. bang her that night. Now he's gonna plan on killing her. Like so, of course. So she got caught cheating. That's how she saw running out of the house. But then she got murdered. So I think he. His his mom, her mom, ruined his parents' marriage. Yes, and he mm. decided to kill That's her. That's right. Now I remember how that ended. You fucked my life up, my family up. Yeah, and she falsely accused the guy who was in jail, Cotton Weary. I don't know why I remember that fucker's name, but yeah, Leave Schreiber. Yeah. And that's why the reporter is trying to write this book. She that wrote a he's book that he's innocent. innocent. And she's actually right in the long yeah, run. Yeah. You'll find that out in three, I think. Yeah. It's enjoyable. It's a fun. Well, there's there's little nitpicks that are funny, like when they gut the boyfriend on the porch. It's like, how the fuck did they do that in five seconds? Yeah, there's a little bit of it's that. It's like entrails are hanging out, dude. Like, what the fuck? Too many things happen too quickly. Yeah. But it's what and and the fact that like what parents are letting a party go on like there's <laughs> right. no fucking way yeah there's a serial killer even if you there. tried lying me i'm going to stay at johnny's like no fucking way dude you're not sleeping yeah, in the house. yeah. like during a curfew the parents should be like oh you're you're in at nine no matter what that's curfews rules but they're out like oh it doesn't matter go do what you gotta do there's also, a serial killer no big deal do no you think at the deal. end too i think it's pretty obvious but just your opinion. Skeet Ulrich's trying to kill Matthew Lillard at the end, right? Where he's cutting him real deep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's trying to just get him out of the yeah. picture. Yeah. 
Also, David Arquette, there's no way you're a cop, dude. You're <laughs> yeah. too fucking dumb. Dewey. Yeah, like he dumb is. Dumb piece of shit. Yeah, he just doesn't realize that the reporter was yeah. using yeah. him the whole he fucking time. He fucking walks time. through the party. Oh, everything looks good. You guys are all right. Underage drinking and shit. Like, go fuck yourself. My sister, too. She's about to die in a fucking <laughs> garage door. Could easily fit. Her shoulders and, got through it. Just pull yourself out. Let's go nice. back to yeah. the point that it's curfew. Like, a cop should be like, oh. These yeah, kids. where are all the cops in this town doing? He fucking dropped them off to the goddamn party. I for know. For fuck's sake. Yeah. <laughs> like, are you kidding me right what now? What a bad brother. Yeah. yeah like, you had to feel guilt. Fuck? He doesn't seem very, like, guilt-ridden the rest of the movies. When, oh, no. my sister died that night. Oh, oh well. I'm just going to keep hitting on this reporter who's just using me. Mm-hmm. Clearly. Also, that one line I hate. I heard it last night, too, is, I'm 25, Miss Weathers. I was 24 for a whole <laughs> yeah. year. It's like, what? Are you that stupid? <laughs> God damn it. And the one thing I noticed watching it last night was... It's not scary. No, and as a kid, I saw it when I was nine. It scared the shit out of me because I was nine. The, it's kind of all slapsticky with Ghostface. Oh. Like he's getting drawn all over the. That's shit another and... thing, though. I think that's the first time that they horror movie used that shtick. Kind of, it's like where it's like clearly Most these definitely. are teenagers. Like, oh fuck, I got hit <laughs> yeah. by a beer in the face. Oh, no. <laughs> the downside too is this spawned all of the teen every fucking 90s horror and the scary movies mm-hmm. to an extent i know there's other spoofs in those but the first couple of these they're they're very scream heavy they use the ghost sure. face oh i'll be driving that mask ended pretty well though or it aged well i think the yeah. mask actually is pretty cool yep it's kind of like the screaming man and they you know that one photo the, the one the dro- wailing paint. man yeah the wailing man it's yeah. kind of that face is all droopy and shit and that was created specifically for the movie right it wasn't i think they were just test i heard something that they were testing mass and that one they saw and were like holy shit that's cool like it's just kind of random yeah, i mean it's it, not... you still see it every fucking halloween yeah my brother used to have that mask when he was in the navy <laughs> so he went to halloween one year and i like, came down the stairs and someone like freaked the shit out, like freaked out that, that was a big i mean it made 160 million worldwide yeah 170 something like that so 170 on 14 yeah, it's definitely going to eat your trilogy at least. Yeah. And now we're on number five. So should we take a little pause there? Uh, if you yeah, need to. Be best. I just want to smoke. And... <coughs> All right, so my number four, again, I haven't seen in a while, uh, The Rock. See, I haven't either, damn. <laughs> it's an IMDb of 7.4. I Met- can't help. Meta score of 58. Took it up a little. Rotten Tomatoes of 68% tomato meter, 85% audience. Had a $75 million budget. Domestically, $134,069,511. Worldwide, $335,062,621. It's directed by Michael Bay. Written by David Weisberg, Douglas Cook, and Mark Runner. It's been probably like 15 years since I've seen this. Uh, yeah, I, it wasn't streaming, so I didn't... Yeah, that's one of the reasons I, I would have watched it otherwise. But I remember just it being my favorite Michael Bay movie, essentially. It is, yeah. That or maybe one of the bad boys, maybe, but... Yeah, uh, it doesn't feel like a straight 
what Michael Bay movies are now. No, it's a. Uh, well, it's funny that because you already did Escape from L.A. as your it's another Alcatraz <laughs> style. Yeah, I mean, it is on Alcatraz the, too, correct? This one, yeah, is on Alcatraz. Yeah, yeah, I remember and liking it. But... Connery is one of the prisoners, correct? He was he was the only person to escape Alcatraz, I think. So they recruit him to infiltrate Alcatraz because. Oh right. I think was it Ed Harris? Yep, Ed Harris is in it. Yep, he's kind of the ro- rogue general who takes over Alcatraz. Nicholas Cage is scientist. Yeah, he's like a biochemist or some shit. Mm-hmm. Which looking at it now is like, what the fuck are we doing? Well, this was his like crazy breakthrough, like where it's like, all right, let's go fucking full Cage. Here. <laughs> yep, that's this was the. I mean, he won an that. Oscar the year before. Yep. Well, yeah. I think his only other thing I'd seen where he's kind of wild is Raising Arizona. Well, Nicolas Cage, the last yeah. movie I chose was um, the Face, Face Off. Face, Face Off. Off. Yeah, he was fucking Yeah, that up. was last year. And he did year. Con Air also that year. So, like, he's in full. Like, he's is, entering yeah. his kind of his prime. In a weird <laughs> this way. is when Nicolas Cage became Nicolas Cage, essentially. Yeah, this was the movie. Yeah. yeah, those are the big three stars, correct? Yeah. And Cage, in fact, if I remember, his character isn't very... He's kind of nerdy and shit, and like yeah. he has to turn into like yeah, he's using a, guns and shit. He like works that. Like, for the FBI and has some medial gun training, but he has to throughout the course of the movie become a badass. Essentially, I think there's a lot of the like fly. I think there's a lot of like that guys in this movie too, where it's just like guys where it's like oh I know that fucking guy. But yeah, you know, I think there are a few of them, but. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's it's a typical '90s action flick. John C. McGinley's in it. Fucking uh, Doctor from Scrubs, the dickhead doctor. Oh yeah, yeah, Doctor Cox. Doctor Cox. Can't um, remember him. Plays Marine Captain Hendricks. He must have been one of the bad guys. Then. David Morse, the guy from like the Green Mile and Titanic. Oh yeah, yeah. See, the first time I've seen this movie. It was on our van on the way out west. It was watching with my grandma, and I was probably 13, 14. But, yeah, I remember liking it, but, again, it probably has been since then, since I've seen it. I've I've listened to the rewatchable they did on this, on that pod I listened to. Basically, this is what the synopsis says, written by Anonymous. A mild-mannered chemist and an ex-con must lead the counter-strike when a rogue group of military men led by a renegade general threaten nerve gas attack from Alcatraz in San Francisco. So yeah. basically, it's Connery and Cage trying to help save San Francisco from Ed Harris and his people. Yeah, and... I don't remember why, though. Like, that I sounds think, familiar, but I don't... It's been... Like I said, it's probably been at least a decade since I've seen this I mean, too. if I remember correctly, Ed Harris had some altruistic intentions like he wasn't just i i lost my mind and i'm doing this yeah, because i'm crazy there was there was reasoning behind sometimes it. bad guys you kind of do see still why fucked they up but well yeah i mean you can always look at every murder or why well, people do things. not every <laughs> boondock saints killing all the okay uh, explain jeffrey dahmer to me well, that was just a bad guy. <laughs> Explain Hitler to me. Yeah. 
<laughs> oh, don't. Please don't, actually. He's trying to lust her out the... <laughs> oh, my God. No, 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 what I always go to is, like, not to get off track, but Man of Steel, General Zod. Zod's just trying to save his yeah, world. Yeah. Like, at the end of the day, yeah, he's a bad guy, but he's actually trying to do something good for his people, so it's yeah. not totally... Damned everybody else. Yeah, I don't see it as, like, that guy's pure evil. It's just he's stuck in his ways and... Yeah. Not really an anti-hero. He's just kind of... He's still a bad guy, but... Bad to us. But yeah, I mean, like I said, I haven't seen it forever, so I can't... Yeah, I can't add a lot. It's worth the talk. I mean, it's, it's definitely for sure. It's a fun 90s action flick. Plus, you can hear Sean Connery right. said... What's what's the famous line? Is it, It's something about The Rock, isn't it? Welcome to The Rock. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's the thing is, is why I didn't rewatch really it, because it was like, what, two and a half? Two it's hours long. and 40 minutes. Oh, like, no shit. It's, it's yeah, and that's well like, over two hours. Like, I don't I don't want to. It's so hard to sit down for that long. Of a movie. I was actually impressed. Some of the movies I thought would be really long this year weren't. And I was like, oh, thank God. Yeah. There's only one I watched that was close to three See, there, hours. There's a lot of movies that I'm like, oh, that looks good. And I'm like, 140 minutes. I'm like, fuck. See, that doesn't. That's 220. That's not terrible. That doesn't dissuade me in any way the length of a movie if it's something i'm only mildly interested in, if it says 150 minutes i might be like Ugh, yeah maybe but, and that might dissuade me from re-watching something so i could watch something different yeah but because you might get two movies in almost well, and that's why i didn't watch yeah that's why i didn't watch jerry mcguire was because i'm like well that's two hours and two and a half hours that's two and a half hours something like that jesus Christ. Well, there's two movies i've coming up that were sh- i was shocked they were under two hours well one of them i was but um, but yeah, but yeah, the rock, I, the rock was definitely what I watched, but again, I, I'd like to get two movies in instead of, well, it yeah. just wasn't streaming. Otherwise, I yeah, it wasn't was. streaming anywhere. I would have just bought it. Probably would have made my list over swingers and from dust till dawn, but so yeah, it goes to you. Because I still have three, you have three. I have three also. Oh, you, oh, you just go then. Oh, you have three. Yeah, I went. We all have three. Yeah, you go. Okay. Yeah, he didn't break any of ours. Oh shit! Jeez. Um, so ruined the list here. Well, I'm just gonna bring this up. Give it up. Because it was on one of my podcasts with the other people. Um. Here we go. <laughs> start. Start getting ready for this one. Beavis and Butthead do America. That was this year? Yeah. It was. What the? F- I mean, I don't think it would have made my list, I but I didn't know that. <laughs> this movie. I thought it was love like this movie. I thought it was later for some reason. Um, I completely forgot that we did this already. Yep. Um, so we got an IMDb of 6.8, Meta 64, Tomato score is 72%, Audience 69! Thank you. Um, but worldwide, it made $63.1 million. Budget was twelve. Um, of course, Mike Judd. Judge. 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 <laughs> oh, I put Judy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Mike. But also, Mike Dis. <laughs> Disav. Something. Judge also does a lot of the voices. And Brian Mulroney. But, you know, of course, Mike Judge does the voices for Beavis and Butthead. You had Bruce Willis and Demi Moore in this movie. But 
It's been so long since I've oh seen this. Oh my gosh. It, it's all about them getting their TV stolen, and they're just going on this mission to get their fucking TV. But it just wanted to, like, oh, you Isn't guys. Is Bill Clinton involved in this movie in some way? There's a Bill Clinton character, is there not? Am I, thinking I don't some... think so. I don't remember Isn't Bill Clinton. Some... I feel like there was for some reason. Like they go to the they don't go to the White House. I haven't rewatched this. Was that from like South Park? I'll look it up. I'm pretty sure though. I because I remember this is the movie they had. Uh, Red Hat Chili Peppers had a song in this. Yeah, the roller coaster. Fuck that song. Um, I hate that guy. No, like, I think. Of course, I am cornholio. I need P- TP for my bunhole. Like that. This this movie created. The Hank Hill character. He's the RV. The old. He's yes. a little older. Yeah. King of the but that is literally Hank Hill, and it's, that was the prototype. I thought he was showed up in Beavis and Butthead the show before, though. He may. That he was always the neighbor. Have, he was always the neighbor because. The but na- on the RV, he's like the old grumpy dude. That's yeah. Just like, so what that the was, hell are you boys doing? Yeah. <laughs> so that boy, is. Like, uh, no, that is. That's always been his neighbor in the whole thing. He's always hated the boys living there. And then when they lost their TV, they went into his camper. And then that's, that's right. when they're watching TV and they're going down the road and then they get caught. And throughout the whole movie, like at the end, like there he is, like there's the boys. And uh, but they end up finding his dad in the desert and tripping balls on fucking um, <laughs> uh, fuck, cactus. What is that shit called? Uh, it's not ayahuasca, is it? It's, no, uh... it's. um. Fuck. He isn't it. Oh, it's. There's quotes from Bill Clinton and Beavis and Pat do America. He says to them in one scene, in recognition of your great service, I'm appointing you honorary agents in the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. (laughs) Whoa. whoa. Alcohol and tobacco? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, firearms. Cool, yeah? Cigarettes and beer kick ass. <laughs> Sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. We're in the beer of beer and fire and cigarettes. Maybe some chicks too. Yeah. That's the quote. Dude. I was right. Holy shit. I vaguely remember that for some reason. I think they meet him at the White House for some fucking reason. They must have. But I... yeah, like. Uh, I've spent at least. I probably haven't seen this in 20 years. Oh, dude. This movie hasn't changed. Like, it aged well. Like, it actually did. Um,. We just watched it six months or less ago. I didn't watch it. Okay, I didn't. Well, you didn't, yeah. Um, but yeah, I love this movie. Um, this was my aunt and uncle. Like, we'd watch it together. Um, I talked about it a lot on one podcast, but I mean, this movie just brings back a lot of memories with family, and I love it. Beavis and Butthead, Mike Judge. And what I love about Mike Judge is he he stopped doing Beavis and Butthead because he forgot how to do their voices. <laughs> that's so fucking weird, yeah. That's weird. And then he remembered one day, and that's when he did the reboot. And then it just stopped. Yeah, they again. rebooted it probably, what, seven, six, seven years ago? Something yeah. like that, yeah. Mid-20-teens. But I, yep. Anytime this is on, the I The show was great. I love just them just making fun of music videos. And... The music video bit was the best. Yeah, that was yeah. great. <laughs> um, always watched this since I was a kid. So It was one of those things where like, my parents didn't want me to watch it. So, of course, it just made me watch it. That's how it goes usually. Yeah. <laughs> but... That was and Family Guy, South Park, and this. What's well, funny? I think I mentioned before, like King of the Hill. I hated it as a kid, but I love it now. Like, it's yeah, a, I don't I, know what it is. 
I, I had the it's same feeling. It's not even that adult, him. really. It's just, I mean, there is. But it's just Hank's so fucking awesome. <laughs> and then the <laughs> one guy you can hardly understand. Boomhauer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember this one episode where like, the gas station blows up and kills somebody. Like, there's like a character that gets killed, and he's like, Ding boom, ding gas station, ding on boom, man. <laughs> I was like, he's calling 911. <laughs> I always forgot Mike Judge did King of the Hill. Yeah. Steven Root did the character Bill. He played the bald guy. But I mean, not only that, I mean, he did very Brittany well. Murphy. In... Brittany Murphy was in it. Mm-hmm. She was Luann. Animated television, but he also did Office Space. Didn't he do Idiocracy? I don't know if he did that. He did that one with Jason Bateman where they were extract. Like extract. I never. I don't. I saw that like one time. I liked I extract. It, it was. Fine. It was fine. I mean, Office Space. That was my number one that year. Like that's yeah. oh, Office Space. Fucking is awesome. My movie. stapler. My bread stapler. Stephen wrote. You always have Stephen wrote. I'm pretty sure you did it. He might have. I, I just. I can't remember. I just have to double check because. Oh, that was a deep pull. For some reason, I, I don't know why I thought that was like next year, 95 or something. But yeah, you're good pull. Yeah, I love this movie. I wasn't sure if you guys were going to make fun of me or not. No. He did do Idiocracy. Oh, he did? Okay. Um, but Beavis, oh, Beavis and Butter are cool, man. Like, yeah. it's nothing. <laughs> this was this was my add-on. It's like a 99. If any of you had had, had South Park, Big Longer, Done Cut, I would have been totally cool with it. <laughs> like, <laughs> Almost made my cut that month or that year, but it was so big. That year was crazy. That was a wild year. But this year, man, you always had room for boobs and butthead. <laughs> so there's my right. pick. I've got three more. I'll choose the one. Actually, should I just go in order? I think you guys are going to have Let's my go in order. Fargo. Yep. That's your number one? Three. That's my three as well. Technically, that's my three, too. Tomato meter 94, audience 93, IMDb 8.1, Metascore 85, written and directed by Joel and Ethan Cohen, had a budget of $7 million, made $24.6 million U.S., 60.6 worldwide. Francis McDermott, William H. Macy, Steve Buscemi, Peter Stormare, John Carroll Lynch, my dude. Two Oscar wins for original screenplay and McDormand for Best Actress, and seven noms, including Best Picture. Um, I did rewatch this. I own it. Um, this I, is one that I was shocked. There's only like an hour forty. I was like, I thought yeah, for sure this would be like two and a half. I did too. But before we get into it, Ethan is uncredited as a director. Oh really? I'm yeah. said he's on there, but that's yeah. But we watched it last night, and he was not so credited weird. on the. He's credited as a writer, but not, not as, as a director. This was actually yeah. like their sixth movie or fifth movie, but it's like their breakthrough is being like, holy shit, who are these guys? Uh, Blood they did Simple. Blood Simple was '84, but. I mean, that Miller's, was, uh, this was the one that fucking put them on the Oscar them. type yeah. scene. And for you could sure. probably, like Barton Fink, you could probably, Miller's Crossing, you could probably make arguments for those movies, like going back, like, yeah, in hindsight, those should have been considered better, but mm-hmm. this was like the breakthrough. And it's yep. set between Minnesota and Fargo. And William H. Macy is a car salesman who's hard on his luck with money he's married to i can't remember what the actress even is they have a son but a rich wife whose daddy owns a car his daddy's her her daddy's safe he owns the dealership and he's got a lot of equity and different things but here's what i want to say how stupid are you to take a new car off the lot scratch some numbers 
and take it to where your wife's going to get kidnapped. How do you not think that's going to be looped back to you? I think that's part eventually? of the point, though, is that this guy's yeah, not kind of, This right. movie is kind of a comedy of errors. Yeah, yeah it's, it's just like, like in my he's not head. A, he's not a smart man. In my head, I'm like, okay, why don't you call another dealership, have him drop like a car like that off, somehow like do a dealer swap, and like, oh, it came from... I just love in this movie the whole like Buscemi and Stormare are assholes in different ways. <laughs> Buscemi just can't stop, can't shut up. Yeah. Like, even that scene in the car where he's like, we're going to stop talking now. And he just keeps fucking going. Mm-hmm. And like Stormare just is Doesn't ruthless. Say shit. Fucking, they kill that cop. Yeah. Point blank <laughs> shot in the head. He like pulls his head and chases down the couple, shoots them in the fucking car, and then one guy runs and. It's ironic because at the very end he runs, and the second shot he gets arrested. But, and as a cop, if you see that sketchy of a car going down the road, won't you have your like your gun pulled, ready to like take action? I think I would. I mean, the car. The no. only reason it got pulled over because a dealer plates. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love the whole when they pick up the hookers or this whatever and. She's interviewing the lady, and they're like, yeah, yeah, he had a, f- yeah, he has a weird-looking weird face. Guy. He's yeah. a weird-looking guy. And it's funny because you're like, Super Show Me is a weird-looking guy. Like, And then they stop and talk to that guy. They're like, you know, they call <laughs> the cops. He was funny-looking. He was funny-looking. And then they just had that weird conversation. It was like, they sound like Canadians. No, my, mom, my mom and I used to joke with Super like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Francis McDormand's fucking fantastic in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. I and mean, she's fantastic in everything she does, but. Oh, um, yeah, billboards was on my list. Three billboards. I know. I had no. Well, I didn't do Nomad, but I talked about Nomadland for a minute. She's good in that. She's big in the nineties. She's married to Joel, right? She's married married to one one of them. them. I think Joel. Yeah, I think you're right. John Carroll Lynch, do my. He's one of like ten favorite actors, but he's really? barely. I love that dude. That guy's so good in everything. Yeah, he is. He's but, like the I nicest mean... guy in this too. And then he goes to like Zodiac, <laughs> and you're like, is this guy the fucking Zodiac? He's in a Walking Dead episode, which is like one of the best episodes. Wasn't like, he like the brother on Drew Carey show? He or was. Some shit? Yeah, shit. I didn't. He's like big. He's a big theater actor. I'm pretty sure. And he's not like, of course, like a classically good looking guy. No. But he's always like, he can. What's so great about him is he can, like in Drew Carey and in this, like he's super friendly. And then in Zodiac, you're like afraid of him. Like yeah. he, he can turn it on both yeah, cheeks, for, man. Like he's, sure. he's a, he's a very good actor. Like I, I would love to see that guy at least nominated for something someday. It never will happen at this point, but like, you're just kind of like, man, that, it's almost like J.K. Simmons. I always felt that way about J.K. Yeah. before Whiplash. And it's he's like, holy just... shit, this is the role you were born for. <laughs> or now with Invincible, like. Yeah, but like, I don't know. It's just I've always thought he was. Every I've always been like entranced with like God. This guy's a good actor. And did they ever say why Macy was in Money Trouble? No, he's trying because I don't. He, think he kept so. talking this to is, that like bank about. Uh, well, he talks to his father-in-law and his like about the lot, and yeah, then when the, then he got the phone call that his that his father-in-law is going to do a lot. 
Then he's like, oh, shoot, I need to cancel this. Well, so he was well, trying to get I love in the money. meetings when they laugh in his he face. He trying like, to get why money. Would we, why would we give you that money now? Like, what? But he was trying to get money as a down payment for that lot, and I think he already made a promise that he could get the money. Right. And that's why he felt like there was problems. Well, remember, but why was he, he was in? on the phone with some, I don't know if it was an insurance guy or a fucking bank to get a loan, but they never got the VIN numbers. Yeah, those, he keeps trying to be like, oh, cards. fax it over to you. Yeah, he's no, like, fax he just, won't work. I mean, send them over. Yeah, he's and, just he's just stalling the guy. Yeah, he, he but I don't know. Fucked. But there was no explanation as to what was going on there No, I don't think so. Okay. But I kind of like that. I just like, didn't know just if kinda I don't really it. know, like, why is this guy? Which I recommend. I've seen the first two seasons. The show is very good. I heard the show is really Especially good. Especially season one, that's got Billy Bob and Martin Hart, or Martin Freeman, not Martin Hart. I want to know what happened to the money, like they buried. Oh yeah, right. with the I red. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because like Stone they never scraper. showed what happened to that, but it'd be kind of cool as a button scene. They would have just said like showed some farmer out there just like pulling it out or something. Right. Yeah, it's that's a good that's a good point. And I completely forgot, or maybe I didn't even realize it to begin with. That it was based on a true story. Yeah. You know what, though? I was reading on this. The show does the same thing. I think it's very, very loose. It's almost like a joke. Okay. That's the way I read it, especially in the show. It's like not. So I think it's like a loosely. loosely yeah, I just remember so the beginning of the movie. It says it's based like, on a true story. Actually, you know what gave me, made me shiver was just seeing that snowstorm in the beginning that they're driving through. I was like, God <laughs> damn it. Like, don't bring that back to me. Like, yeah. But was the show like a limited series? It's then? anthology, so like every season's a different story. Okay, it was on well, like FX or something. It's on it? FX. Season one's got like Martin Freeman and Billy Bob Thornton. Season two's got like I know eventually uh, Kirsten you, Dunst and Jesse Plemons and Patrick Wilson. I think Ewan McGregor and McGregor's in three. Mary Chris Elizabeth Rock. Winstead Chris is Rock in, is in season four. That's right. He's trying to be serious now with that in the Jigsaw movie. Spiral. Did you guys watch that yet? We gotta watch it for Monday. Yeah. I heard that was actually okay. We're watching that Tuesday. Let's we're watching watch, it. We're watching watch it Monday. Let's, let's, oh no, we're well, you guys are doing it, it for your other one. Yeah, but if you want to watch it Monday, we can watch it Monday. I have no idea how long I'm working Monday. I would. I wouldn't hold, wait up for <laughs> me. Um, but yeah, Fargo. It's. I don't know. It's kind of weird because it's a great movie, but it's not one of my favorites of theirs. Like in the grand scheme of things, I much prefer Big Lebowski yeah. or Raising Arizona or No Country. Yeah. See, I I'm, I'm not as big on old No Country as Oh No Country, so people. good. It's good, but so good. It's so long. It's good. But and have you ever yeah. seen uh, Have you ever seen uh, Blood Simple? I don't think I ever saw Blood. I watched Simple. it when when we first. For those who don't know, we were talking about doing our birth years for the start of it. Yeah. And you're you were born eighty four. That came out in 84. I watched that, and I, I'd never seen it. I was like, this is really good. Yeah. And she's in that, too. Frances McDermott is. Is she really? Yep. Interesting. She's huh. actually, like, quite pretty in it, too. Like, I know she's not classically, like, viewed as no, a she's woman a, or anything. Yeah, like, she's, she's a manly woman, I guess. I don't huh. know. Manly, but she's just kind of, like, always had the short haircut and, like, kind of... Looks like own. she's from Minnesota. I mean... But she's actually, yeah... That's a good movie, though. But, yeah, 
Fargo. So now, Jesus. I have one. I have two. Have one. I have two. I'll let. I'll let you go because I know one of them you're not gonna have. My number two is Mission Impossible. I don't have that. I don't have that. IMDb is seven point one. Metascore of fifty nine. Ron Tomatoes sixty six percent tomato meter, seventy eight percent audience. Jesus Christ, I completely forgot to write down the budget and all the fucking numbers on it. What are you doing? It was directed by Brian De Palma. I forgot that. Written by David Cope, Robert Town, based on the TV series by Bruce Geller. So when was the TV series? I forget. It was in like the 60s or 70s, I think. Yeah, I want to say Because I know the theme song was kind of like, oh, yeah. This is kind of late sixties. I think it was. I think it was like sixty-seven. Ethan Hunt. Yeah. At an eighty million dollar budget, domestically one hundred eighty million nine hundred eighty-one thousand eight hundred fifty-six dollars. Four hundred fifty-seven million six hundred ninety-six thousand three hundred ninety-one dollars worldwide. This might be Cruz's biggest year in some ways. Between that McGuire and he got an Oscar nom. Yeah, that's pretty big. Too big the movies. height of his powers, kind of. But yeah, I I like spy movies, whether it be Born or Mission Impossible or fucking. See, I Bond. I, I, I think that's I'm the thing that's weird with me is I I've never been big into the like even Bond. I've never been a big Bond guy. I like the I like the ones I've seen. I don't love them. Yeah. I mean, Casino Royale made my list one year, but I don't know. I've never. It's just never appealed to me that much for whatever reason. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't I, dislike it. It's I just like never I just, like oh, it blew me away. I don't know. It takes certain ones for me to enjoy. Who's like the like who else is in this one? The first one uh, besides him, John Voight is like his mentor who ends up being the villain. Uh, Jean Reno, oh, he's kind of a villain also, but he recruits him. Uh, Ving Rhames. He's kind of in all of them. He's a guy that gets recruited. But, I mean, the story is his original team is trying to prevent this, the knock list, the undercover agents' true identities getting stolen. Okay. Their team gets burnt. His entire crew fucking dies, and he thinks John Voight gets killed. And then it, they frame it so that he's like a mole. So he's on the run from the IMF also. Does the audience also think that Voight's dead? I forget. Yes. It's been yeah, a long time. You're, you're led to believe that. I his think I've seen the first like three. Entire team got killed. And John Voight's wife was also on the team. She, I guess she, she was kind of in on it from the beginning, but. She gets those two hooked back up, and they said, "All right, so to prevent the knock list from getting stolen, we're gonna have to steal it ourselves." And the whole Mission Impossible thing is breaking into Langley to steal it, or they have to steal the other half to find out who the buyer is. It's and Voight's the buyer. Voight is involved, yeah, in the selling or buying, I guess. And it's interesting how they do it. This one. If you'd seen a lot of the Mission Impossible movies, this is the most understated one. Okay. 
They, I mean, they start. Uh, the second one was directed by John Woo, for God's sake, and it just goes balls to the wall after that. Was well, so he only got standing on a plane as he's flying in one of those? Yeah, that was the fifth one. <laughs> Fourth one. I've always heard with. Uh, it's his own. Cruz does all his own stunts. What's yeah. the one with the great like bathroom fight scene? Just that's the, that's, that's the one, one with Henry Cavill. Where I've always heard that's just a great scene. It is. <laughs> I mean, yeah, talking about Tom. I can't Cruz say I, all the action's got to be fucking awesome, but I mean, Philip Seymour Hoffman's in what the third one? The third one. That's the first one with Simon Pegg also. But yeah, this one is more, a lot more spycraft than crazy off-the-wall action. So I think I actually kind of like that more than... It's a lot of sneaking around and doing shit like that as opposed to... I mean, there's some crazy special effects. They're having a fight on a high-speed train with a helicopter going through a tunnel and shit. And... Which makes me think, like, what happened to Jean Renault? Like, you could have told me he died in 1998, and I'd be like, yeah, that probably sounds right. Like, just, like, his career, I feel like... I'm trying... He did Leon and that, and it's like, those are big-ass movies. And he's a couple other things around that time, too. He was in the Godzilla disaster. Oh, the Broderick one? Yeah. Yeah, other than that, I don't remember anything recently he's done. But no, this is just a good... Straight up. I think you watched that pretty early. I did watch it. It was probably the first week. Yeah. I watched it too. Yeah, you guys watched together. Yeah, I'll be interested when we're done too to talk about the movies we didn't make it. Because, like, there's some. I'm not saying, I mean, this year is weak as hell, but there's some ones I still liked that I didn't make my list. Yeah, and there was a bunch that I just didn't get to rewatch. Yeah, or or even get a chance to watch. Weren't streaming or whatever the fuck. Well, I still have one left. Can I ask quick? Did you guys ever watch The Crucible? No. No. I bought it. <laughs> Didn't watch you it. Bought it. Yeah, you bought it. <laughs> we watched that in like an English class once. Well, when did we buy it? You bought it when you it bought like, uh, it was like four dollars or something. It you was bought it on when. Sale. Oh, yeah. I think you bought the Scream trilogy at the same time. Oh yeah, that's right. Which that's what's fucked up. They. You could buy the Scream Trilogy, but they didn't have a bundle with the fourth one. Yeah, it's stupid. The fourth one's not any better than any of the other two sequels. And it's so. like they have a bundle for, like, the Hellraiser series, but they don't have the first two movies. Yeah, it's, it's like, like, well, what's the point at that point? Like you, fuck? Yeah, it's weird. I think I've seen that way that the sales, and it's like, why don't you have this in there? If you're going to do a bundle, well, do it's the like whole a, fucking It's bundle. like, you ever see the bands that have a greatest hits, and like their best song is not even on the greatest hits? You're like, fuck you. Yep. You're doing that on purpose. So, yeah, I have one. Everybody has one, I mm, believe. No, I've got two. You got two? There you go. Uh, my number two, I'm sure I'm alone on this, is Heart 8. Yeah, never heard of it. Tomato meter at eighty, audience eighty three, IMDb a seven point two, Metascore seventy eight. Budget of PTA, right? Yep. Budget of three million, US two hundred twenty two thousand six hundred dollars. Same with worldwide, so it didn't do well. 
Written and directed by Paul Thomas Anderson, his first full feature. Stars Philip Baker Hall, John C. Riley, Samuel L. Jackson, Gwyneth Paltrow, and Philip oh, Seymour Hoffman. Oh, I did see the trailer. Yeah, that, I wanted to see this. Speaking of which, Philip Seymour Hoffman, his two-minute scene. He, I honestly think he might be the best actor of that 15-year span. Like, he is, actual he, talent. Like he's, he's in the conversation. He's so sure. fucking good in this scene. But anyways, Philip Baker Hall, which... You might not know he's in he's in Boogie Nights, the same director as Boogie Nights. Okay, it's his first movie. Boogie Nights was his second movie. Um, he plays the book, the library cop in Seinfeld. Yeah, Bookman. Bookman. <laughs> he is a. I don't know how to describe, but he's like a professional gambler. And in the beginning of the movie, he sees John C. Riley at a gas station. Oh no, a diner. Sorry, a diner. And Riley's having a smoke, and he's like, or no, he's not having a smoke. He's just sitting outside kind of like by himself, and he's like, hey, you want a coffee and a cigarette? I'll buy you a coffee have a cigarette with you. And he's like, okay. He comes in. He's like, what do you want, mister? And he's like, you seem down on your luck. Like, what do you what do you need? You know, he's like, well, my mom just died, and it's going to cost like six grand for the funeral or something. And he's like, well, I can't give you six grand, even though you find out he has more than enough money to do that he's like but i'll give you 50 dollars if you come with me to, to vegas he's like what and he's like i'll help you get in with the people so anybody he takes him to the casino and he teaches him how to like essentially becomes his like protege yeah he, he right? teaches him how to be like a big timer without being a big timer where it's like you you're gonna you're gonna bet and it may, he might give him like 200 dollars actually where it's like you're gonna bet 20 you're gonna cash out you're gonna swipe your card and make it look like you keep coming back and coming back and turning in chips and stuff mm. where you're just kind of exchanging your money mm. but makes it look like you're gambling a lot so they're going to offer you a room and then it flashes forward like 15-20 minutes in the movie it flashes forward and it's a couple years later and John C. Riley's like doing well but he's with him he's still like his protege mm. and he's befriended Samuel Jackson who was like a security guy but he knows a lot about casino game elsewhere but he's kind of just rude and brash and like philip Baker hall doesn't like him in fact he's talking about like man look at that pussy over there talking about like just women and shit and he's like philip Baker hall is so good in this like i i wish he had been nominated like i understand why because it was such a low budget at the yeah, time and low yeah, yeah. making film but like he's so good he's very good in this movie and he says to him like there's a great scene where he's just like you're at my table. You're my guest. Like, you're not going to talk about people like that. And, like, he basically puts Samuel Jackson in his place, and they don't like each other, but John C. Riley likes both of them. Yeah. Well, Gwyneth Paltrow is a waitress at one of the casinos, but she's also, like, hooking on the side. And John C. Riley ends up dating and then marrying her, like, very quickly. Mm-hmm. And they end up getting into some trouble because even though they're already married, she picks up a John and they end up beating the shit out of him and they call for the Baker Hall to come to the hotel. And he's like, what happened here? And he's like, this guy fucking wouldn't pay her and stuff. And like, basically like, he's like, well, we gotta, we gotta get the fuck out of here. And she's like, well, we already called his wife like for money. And it's like, so she knows where they are. So like there's tr- paper, not paper trails, but there's trails to right. where they are. So he, he beats the shit out of the guy and leaves them takes the cuffs off, takes gets rid of them, wipes everything down, and is like, get the fuck out of here. Sends them to Buffalo. It's like, 
go go somewhere. No, they were Niagara Falls is where they want to go. He's like, just fucking get the hell out of this town. Right. Well, he tracks down Samuel Jackson because Samuel Jackson knows as well as leverage. You find out at the very end of the film when he's sitting in the truck with him, he's like, what do you want? Like to Samuel Jackson, he's like, he's like, what did you do to, let me, let's talk. I remember Jesse Riley's character's name, but let's talk, talk about his daddy. And he's like, you fucking killed his dad. Basically you find out what, no, he goes, what happened in Atlantic city? And you're kind of like, wait, what? And you find out that Philip Baker Hall years before had killed John C. Riley's father for a debt. Oh. His father owed him. Oh, so is that why I was looking and out he, for and him? And he looks out for him because he felt guilty. Gotcha. That's crazy. And like, at the very end, you think he's about to tell him on the phone after he gets confronted. He's like, he's like, I just wanted to tell you, like, I love you like you were my son, you know. And like John C. Riley's actually like getting emotional at the end. Like, thanks, man. Like you've done so much for me. <laughs> right. And then he goes and he kills Samuel Jackson at the end. Hmm. Not. Phil Baker Hall does. He kills right. Samuel Jackson, wipes down, and leaves, and yep. you don't know what happens. Shit. So it's kind of like, it's cool. It's a cool movie. Like, it's on... Who, it was streaming somewhere. It's on one of them. Yeah. That was the first movie I watched, and I was like, damn, this is a pretty good debut. Like, but I like that twist of, like, you felt like you owed this person because you took something away from them. And he changed. He had. You, you could get, tell he had changed as a man. He wasn't, like, the killer anymore, and, like, he was very classy. Yeah. Very he cleaned his act cleaned up. Cleaned his act up. But that. like you I enjoyed that he he had he had changed as a person too. So it's like he chose himself. I just like at the end that he just chooses to tell him the truth and it's like I'm I love this because he does he does love him. Yeah. Like you could tell he like he does he treat cares him as, for him. He cares he, him for as if he was his yeah. son, even though he killed that kid's kid's real father, you know, like yeah. it kinda reminds me of like luck, lucky number Slevin. By the sound of it. Yeah. Bruce Willis was on that way. Maybe yeah. they took it as influence. I don't know. Could be. But it's a solid debut. It's it's a cool movie. It's not too long. You know, it's maybe an it's hour not movie. like a typical... Oh, but Philip Seymour Hoffman, there's a scene where they're at the craps table. And Baker Hall's real serious. He's standing at the end. And Seymour's got the dice. He's like, hey, old timer. Hey, he's got slick back hair. And he's looking like hot shit. And he's like, hey, old timer. What, what's the call here, man? What's the call timer? And he's like, heart eight, which is eight. It has to be two fours. Yeah. And he gets it's like a three and a five. And like, end up, they end up like, even though he's talking, in like 90 seconds, he goes from talking shit to like respecting him. Like, it's so weird, but it's, that's what I'm saying. Phil Seymour Hoffman in those like two minutes is like, <laughs> you're like hanging on. You're just like, this is incredible acting. Like, it blows you away. It's the yeah. best. As good as Baker Hall is, that two minutes is better than anything in this movie as far as acting. You're like, damn. And that's including a Peltro won an Oscar before. And then Hoff, I mean, Hoffman has, of course. But yeah. Riley's been nominated. Like, Riley's kind of one, one of PTA's guys, too. He's, He's in Magnolia. He's in. Um, is he in, He's in Boogie Wild? Nights? He's in Boogie Nights. Yeah, he's kind of got his own people. Hoffman's also in there. Yeah. Yeah, it was a cool movie. I'd recommend it for the future. It made my a chance to watch it. It made my initial list just didn't get there. Yeah, I think I came down there and I was like, dude, you should check. Because I had never seen <laughs> I it. I remember you I was like, dude, check that out, dude. It's pretty good. Yeah. I saw the trailer now you said that. I'm like, yeah, I wanted to see that. And Samuel Jackson's just like a sleazeball. It. Like, he 
I'm glad he <laughs> got he got got, you know. Yeah. So I got one more. We each got one. Yeah. So I just go from here, and yeah, then we'll I think away. we're gonna have the same one. I okay. think. So want me to go? I yeah, you, you and I do. I think I would assume so. You go ahead. I could be wrong. Okay. I chose fear. Did you? No. I and I watched this you when you were gone. You watched it when I was gone. Yeah. I have, I have seen. Oh it yeah, you watched with Wahlberg right the other day. Yeah, six point two, meta fifty one, tomato score forty six, audience sixty three, worldwide twenty point eight million, budget six point five, directed by Jack Fo- James Foley. Had Mark Wahlberg, Reese Witherspoon, William Peterson, um, the CSI guy. Yeah. Manhunter. And yeah. Alyssa Milano. Alyssa oh, Milano was in there? Yeah. Jersey Chaser. I don't remember that. But um, this movie was basically about a girl whose mom died, moved to a town. She's only been there for a year. Um, with her dad and her um, stepmom and stepbrother. And her dad's fucking architect built this beautiful house. And it has, like, this whole security system and this and that. Big downfall. It never put a generator in the house. So, 96, <laughs> I guess, generators weren't a thing. Yeah, but they were, um, they were I'm pretty sure. It just... Yeah, as an architect, you think up. you want to put it in a nice house. This comes out. This comes back. And this is all about Seattle, so it's like all about that punk kind of stuff around the '96. Like, there's a lot of raves and underground, like coffee pool table kind of stuff going around. And so they all go to school, and then like Whistle Milano and their guy friend and. Um, Reese Witherspoon, they they all skip and go get Danish. And Reese Witherspoon's being like good girl. She's like, oh, let's get it to go. We gotta get it to go. And they're handing out pamphlets to a rave, and she grabs and looks at it, and then she sees Mark Wahlberg. You know, Mark Wahlberg in '96 was sexy as fuck. Let's just say that '96. <laughs> right. <laughs> but uh. I mean, this was still, he was still Marky Mark at this point. Yeah, right? he was like, he's, I mean, Boogie he's, Nights was like, is like, oh, this guy's a leading guy? Like, yeah. yeah, this I'm is I'm sure Marky that was Mark. the same in Fear. So this guy, this stud muffin, um, <laughs> fucking grabs on the same pamphlet and she looks up at him and they look down at her and then um, she's like, so they get back in the car and they're like, oh, I got to go to this thing on Saturday. She's like, I can't. My dad has James Taylor concert tickets. It's a family thing. We're all going to go. <laughs> and um, she tries to get out of it, but her dad's like, no. And then um, a project gets landed at him from work. So he's like, I got to cancel. And so she ends up going to the rave and and she's behind a post, just, you know, not dancing, just kind of listening to the stuff. And he's behind the other post. And yeah, like kind of creepo kind of stuff. And um, it is Reese. Yeah, so they ended up just kind of like hanging out with the night, getting to know each other. Place gets um, busted by cops, and they had to like get off the roof. And he's like, "Trust me." So they like get down like the fire. The whole Aladdin fucking thing. Yeah. But so 
you find out he's very possessive and he's you know he wins it with the stepmom like the stepmom he's like she's growing plants for outside the house and he's like oh with these type of roots you have to get this type of soil and do this and this and she's loving him and the dad just doesn't know what to do about him and um you know the dad is kind of a creep like or pervert towards young girls because like that's creepy Alyssa milano's character like um, she was fucking with him one day, like you know, she's bending over with her short shirt, and so she's like, her, like, Alyssa is like friends with Wahlberg and we or with Reese, with Reese, okay. yeah. And um, so it basically all comes about like he was staring at her ass, and Mark Wahlberg's character catch, catches him, and um, he's like, I need her back at noon or at midnight, like that's her curfew. But he changed the clock behind him. Which he was doing work in his office, and he's oh. like, "Yeah, I'll have the FedEx stuff out." He's like, "I got an hour." He's like, "No, it's already eight thirty, and it was like, you know." So he got fucked up from work there, and so he's just fucking with the whole family. Yeah, he's fucking with the family. So and who's the, William Peterson, the dad? The CSI guy. Yeah, he's the dad. Because when I walked in the other day, you were watching a scene. I think it was when you were having out with your parents. Yeah. It was a scene where there was like a fucking car with like a shattered windshield and like a fucking picture yeah. or something. What was that about? Um, so basically this guy's really possessive. Wahlberg. Yeah. And so the dad did, dug up all this stuff. He's like from a mental institution and he, he has no parents. And um, basically none of the family members trust him, but um he ended up like beating up on his girlfriend after he broke her virginity because she was hugging her friend, the guy friend that they went to the thing. And, um, he thought he, she was cheating on him. So he went and beat the fuck out of him. Jesus. And she tried to stop him. And he, Albert like a fucked up dude. Yeah. Not right in the head. But Pearson's also fucked up. Um, he's perverted. Like, he was staring at her, her, her friend's ass, like, the thong sticking out in her short thing, because the girl was fucking with her. I guess if Alyssa Milano was doing that, we all would look, but whatever, you know. What what, what was I saying? Like, was he, like, regularly? No, he's just a fucked up dad that always has worked, so he doesn't give a shit about his daughter. And okay. he And her mom died of cancer, so it's, like, one of those oh, things. Oh, he's, like, unmarried? So well, they they were divorced, and oh. so she was forced to move back in with her dad, where she was a big mama's girl, and um, this movie was very just like you find out um, the big twist of it all. Um, after she gave like gave like forgave him about all that bullshit, like you know giving her a black eye and beat up her friend like he apologized and she forgave him he's like you want to come back to my place because she was in a fight with her parents and stuff and he's she's like no it's best if i stay here and then she ends up driving back to his place and she finds her friend Alyssa milano getting carried by him on the back and he ends up like (laughs) banging her but they found out like later on you find out that it's all rape and like he raped her. Well, it sounds friend. like if he's um, carrying her up the stairs, that might be a problem. It was like drugged, yeah. I don't remember this movie like I thought I did. So, was Bill Cosby in this movie? 
This movie's like so there's so much going on you can't really explain it at all because you gotta watch it bit by bit. But as so he's you a watch, bad dude. He's a bad dude. He's just a bad guy and he's fucking up families and friendship and finally at the end, like, they took care of it. Like he died and See, I always got I, I don't apparently I don't really I don't remember, remember this movie. movie. I didn't I've even heard it. of it until I walked in the other day when he's watching. But it. I always got to, uh, just fear and Cape Fear. Oh like yeah, I, I just there's also I, some there's younger some pretty girl heavy, stuff yeah in there's that. some heavy shit in that too for sure. So Juliet yeah. Lewis is supposed to be like 16 in that or something. Yeah. So I mean that's what I've watched this movie a few times like. I've never even heard of it, to be honest. Um, Sounds pretty good, though. It's it's actually like what you call like a thriller kind of movie for the 90s is aged well. Like, I mean, you got Marky Mark and Reese Witherspoon. Like, fucking love both of them. Do you think anyone under like 25 knows that without like nope. being mm. told that? Not a no, um, I, can, I, mean, I, didn't... I, I can disagree. No, I'll be honest. I'm 33. I didn't know that until no. like 2007. Um, we had the Funky Bunch playing at my work, and I had all these like yeah, apes. but those kids know though before that they knew that they're like this is Marky Mark. Yeah, but do they know it's Mark Wahlberg? Yeah, it's guess, and then uh, Donnie yeah. Wahlberg was in uh, New Kids saying, on the Block. Like, so. Everyone <laughs> my work is ages from 17 that day. Twenty-four. Growing up with the internet, I guess, would be completely different. Yeah, I was like, I didn't know that to like after the departed, probably. To be totally honest, like, holy shit, that guy was a fucking <laughs> shitty rapper. Yeah, but we and an which underwear good vi- model. Wait, but good vibrations. Yeah, that shit still hits, bro. That's what we were cranking out at work. Good vibrations. That, well, that's, that's funny about Wahlberg from fucking. Uh, God damn it! What was the don? God damn it! The fucking. Joseph Gordon yeah, Love, yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, <laughs> he's fucking in the. Car. Oh, I love that. Just, no, I get what you're saying. That's funny. <laughs> no, so he makes uh, that joke every time he turns. Yeah, God so Don John, did you catch it when I turned on my computer? Yeah, you like, did. Okay. Yeah, it's my Don. I've John been hearing guy. that joke for a week and a half now. Every time we turn that fucking Church. on. Church. <laughs> yeah, that was an all our list. That's a great movie. Yeah, my it fucking is. computer is my horn machine. <laughs> So. Please don't tell me you're sitting in this chair doing. Okay. No, I, no, this is a non. <laughs> Thank God. Non. That's what phones are for. That's dude. what yeah. this is. <laughs> oh my God! I gotta clean this. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. No. Yeah, I did. I had no idea until I was probably in my about twenty, and that that was who that was. Cause I knew Good Vibrations. Yeah, but. Yo, yeah. it's about that time. <laughs> yeah, I can love them. That's a good song. I'll still just yeah, I, it, yeah I, I can't. Fucking no, murder. it's a shitty song, but it's good because of who it is and what. He fucking yeah, murdered yeah, yeah. a guy for Christ's sake. Yeah, Vietnamese well, man or something. <laughs> yeah, well, as I'm saying, didn't didn't Wahlberg have like a checkered pass heading into? I, I think he. Killed somebody like at Fenway slaughter. or something. Yeah, like, not like murder, uh, an Asian. It was, it. They made it sound, at least the way I've read it, it sounded like he it was. He went to. He got arrested a bunch as a teenager. He, oh, yeah, he yeah. was. His mom. He was in out, he of, was juvie in out of juvie for a while. He went to adult prison, I think, even for a little bit. Like. Yeah, but yeah, he damn near beat somebody to death. I think in a Fenway fucking bathroom. Oh. 
And so now, the other guys. So by <laughs> me. And now he owns a Wahlburgers right across the street. A fucking Wahlburg. What? In Fenway. Oh, I thought you were talking about here. I was like, oh, wait, yeah. they're fucking building they're, Wahlburgers. They are <laughs> There's a Wahlburgers downtown GR. Where? It's um by the in the hotel right across from Van Andel. I need to go to that. Yeah. Maybe he'll be there. <laughs> No, they're doing a grand opening. I want to be there. The grand opening still be there. I'm sure Donnie will be there. Oh yeah, we'll all go there. Or some other weird brother. And yeah, one of the other six brothers they have. We'll be all screaming like little girls, like Marky Mark. I was like Donnie, you were in, you were a creeper in fucking Six Sons. (laughs) You were in Saw Two and Four. You dumb fuck. (laughs) I just had to watch all that bullshit. (laughs) 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 All right. No. So you're you're wiped out. You're wiped out. I'm done. I think we'll have the same. I'm assuming. I come. I'm I hoping. Uh, my number one, train spotting. Nope. Oh my. Did we watch it? Oh my god. That would for sure be your type of list. It. I, again. I am shocked. I never heard I like or J- seen this. I feel like Jackie Childs. <laughs> this is preposterous. All right, train spotting. Tomato meter ninety one, audience ninety three. IMDb eight point one, meta eighty three. Now I'm curious what you thought I would have. Well, it'll be my number one. Written by John Hodge for screenplay, and based on the novel by Irvin Irvine Welsh, directed by Danny Boyle. Yeah. Budget at one point five million, U.S. sixteen point five, worldwide sixteen point six, which seems weird because it's a fucking very Scottish film. Stars Ewan McGregor, Ewan Bremner, Johnny Lee Miller, Robert Carlyle, and Kelly McDonald, which is her debut. This has got to be McGregor's fucking coming out party. Yeah, this is coming out, which probably helped get him cast to be Obi-Wan. I would imagine, yeah. This movie's about a group of friends in Scotland who are heroin addicts. Ewan McGregor, several times in the movie, goes about like... Great, it's great, like, how they do it, too, like, step one to quitting heroin, and it's like, bucket for puke, bucket for shit and piss, bucket for, like, it's like all these things about, like, water, canned tomatoes, tomato soup, like, canned mushroom soup, it's just like drinking cold, like, it's about, like, getting off of heroin, hmm. and all his friends, except for one guy, I don't know the actor's name, his name's Johnny in the show, though, and... Robert Carlyle, who's, like, his hot-headed friend who's, like, a pool player. And, like, he'll tell you one story where it's, like, yeah, this guy was talking shit. I beat the shit out of him. And, like, instead of what actually happened is, like, he missed a shot and someone was looking at him. So he beat the shit out of him. Um, That's the guy in uh, Full Monty, Robert Carlyle. He's fucking great in this movie. Begbie. Is what was this called? Train, train spotting. spotting. Yeah, I've never heard of this. Oh, my God. Great soundtrack, great, very Scottish English film, I guess. But um, the first half is hilarious. The second half is dark. It does get pretty fucking dark. That fucking the one baby. scene in the fucking bathroom too. Yeah, that's that early on. That's well. funny when he's. Uh. It's almost like out of body where like, he has to. Part of the withdrawal is like he have to shit real bad. He's like and it came onto him, so he goes into this bar and it's like. 
He goes to the bathroom and it says the worst, the worst bathroom in Scotland. And it's like overflowing. There's just shit on the seat, shit on the fucking floor. And he's got two little like pouches of, um, it's not heroin, but something to fuck him up that he's suppository. He puts in his ass. He shits them out and goes and digs for them. That's how fucked up he is as like a junkie. He digs through shit. Oh my God. Fuck that, dude. Fuck that. Well, one of the funniest scenes. How is the a, fuck do you watch It's that a great, shit? no, there's a great scene where his friend, he's at his friend's house, Johnny, and he's going through the tapes and it's like World Cup, you know, here's my goals. Like, here's all these, they're all VHS tapes. And there's one, and it's him and his girlfriend's sex tape. It's Tom and Lizzie, like, 95. <laughs> and he changes the tapes out and takes it. And then there's a part where they're, him and Johnny Lee Miller are just watching their friends fuck. Jesus. He's like, man, this is kind of this is kind of fucked up, man. Well, anyways, later there's a great scene where Blondie Atomic comes on. The song Atomic by Blondie. And it's that club where he sees Kelly McDonald for the first time. He's clean. He ends up fucking her. Then you see in her debut, she you see her new. She looks good too. Spoiler alert. And um, anyways, like there's all these scenes from the club where people are like hooking up with each other, and the one guy shits the bed. <laughs> the one guy and his girlfriend they want. She's like, put on the tape of us. So we, like while we're doing it, and he can't find it. Like he puts it in. And it's like a fucking uh, World Cup goal from like '78 for Scotland. And right after they cut back to you and McGregor after he fucks Kelly McDonald, he's like, he's like, God, it's the best I've felt since such and such made that goal against Belgium in '78. <laughs> like, it's just like it cuts back to it. But then the second half of the movie, like, they're criminals. They fucking rob and steal to get their heroin money. Yeah. And there's a dark ass scene where one of the girls that's a junkie with them, her baby dies. Literally in their care. I think he might have gotten into something. Like, it's, they show it's fucked up. They show the baby in the crib and it's like face is all like dark and so it's really fucked up. And then Ewan McGregor ends up going into like a um rehab. Yeah. And his friend, they both get caught doing some stealing, and his friend gets time like six months, and he gets because you're in the program. Well, then he does heroin because he's like, I need one last hit. And he overdoses. And then his parents take him in. In fact, his dad is um, Lord Mormont from Game of Thrones. He's the... Jorah? Not Jorah, but Jorah's dad. The one that's in the fucking The Night's Watch. That dies in like season two. The older guy. Yeah, yeah, the... Jor, Jor Mormont. Yeah, he's the dad, and he gets his shit together finally. He's like a bank, or he's a real estate guy, doing well. And then his friends keep kind of creeping back into his life, even though he wants to let him go. And uh, they end up doing one last robbery at the end, and. He fucks them over. Like he steal they when they're all passed out one night he takes the bag and leaves. And the one friend sees him and he leaves him a little bit of money at like a like you ever seen like I feel it's bigger in Britain and big cities like New York or London or something like that where at like train stations there's lockers. You know what I'm talking about, kinda? Yeah. yeah. He leaves his friend some money 
just for him because he's actually a nice guy and he went to jail for six months. Like he's actually like a nice out of the group. He's yeah. one of the nice guys. Mm-hmm. He's like fuck the rest. And I love the the monologue at the end because the beginning's the same. It's like new car, new TV, new. What's he call it? It's like it's like a can opener, new tin opener. Like it's all these things that are very very British. Yeah. And the end, the monologue comes back, but I love the ads. Like I'm doing this. Because I'm a bad person, basically. Like, I'm yeah. stealing from my friends because I'm a bad person. And it's, like, kind of, like, it's a great admission. Like, it's, like, most people would never admit they're a bad person, probably. Even if they are. Yeah. And I don't know. It's just, it's, Ewan McGregor is outstanding in this movie. And yeah, again, I don't I'm shocked. Really this, I thought for sure this would be on your list. I haven't. It's on Amazon. It's no, streaming no, I rented it on Amazon for like three bucks. Oh, I'm, I thought it was streaming somewhere. No, I I thought I owned it for a minute. I was like, do I own this? No, I don't. Did you? Last s- night it was between us and Jerry Maguire, and I was like, I need to watch Train Spotting again. Yeah, because I knew it would make my list, but I wouldn't be able to talk about it really. Like, yeah. I couldn't remember. Yeah, see, I it's really good. Johnny Lee, Johnny Lee Miller is the guy from Elementary on CBS. Yeah, with, was, uh, uh, Lucy, Lucy Liu. Liu. But he's like, I mean, they're all super Scottish. Like, there's a great scene too where they, their friend who's, because two of the friends are Queen, they take him to the Scottish like Highlands. He's like, let's fucking go on a hike. And they're all like, <laughs> fuck you, man. Like, basically. And he's like, I remember like, he's like, it's fucking Scotland, baby. This is like our home. And Ewan McGregor's like, everyone in Scotland's shite. You know, basically, we're all just, we're all just pieces of shit that England shits on. And they're a bunch <laughs> of wankers and stuff, but we're the wanker slaves. And it's like, political in a sense for them probably like oh it's like kind of true i'm sure scottish people feel like we're just kind of the piss-ons of this fucking country really no doubt just like except braveheart (laughs) (laughs) next year did you see the sequel i did not i heard it wasn't as good but yeah i heard the same thing but that just came out 17 ish 18 was it that i thought it was earlier than that i thought it was was like 17 yeah, I didn't see it either. I heard it's more about when I read it, it's more about like growing up. So I don't know how much of the drug stuff's in it and how yeah, much of the characters the are the same or what. I know Ewan McGregor's in it, but Yeah. It's got a good intro. It, it the first like ten minutes I was like, Is this a Guy Ritchie film? Like I knew it wasn't, but it feels Guy Ritchie ish the first like a ten, bit. fifteen minutes. And I fucking love Danny Boyle too. Well he also does some cool stuff where like why I mentioned him digging through the toilet for the fucking suppositories mm-hmm. where it shows him in his head. It's like it shows him all of a sudden like in a fucking lake and he's down in this clean lake and he's getting these clean suppositories. <laughs> and then he comes out of the toilet, which is totally a net. Of course, you couldn't fully go into a toilet. And then he walks into the apartment. and He's soaking wet. And you're like, what really happened in that scene? Like, it's oh, kind yeah. of it's it's kind of cool. how They do it like you don't fully know. Yeah, Boyle, this is my third Boyle movie. I did Sunshine, and I had... No, Mil- Slumdog didn't make my list, but I liked that movie. See, I never liked that one. I know I had 28 Days Later. Mm. Actually, no, that didn't make my list, but I liked that movie. I thought I that was your number one, I think. That was my number one that year, yeah. I'm a big Boyle guy. Sun- Sunshine? Sunshine didn't make my list. I made so. mine. That was a cool movie. Cillian Murphy and Rose Byrne. That's a really good fuck. Yeah, that's my number one. 
Tom Queen. All right. My number one is Independence Day. Oh. IMDb is seven. I didn't like the rewatch, actually. Metascore of 59. Ron Tomatoes of 67% tomato meter, 75% audience. $75 million budget. Domestically, $306,169,268. Worldwide, $817,400,891. Directed by Roland Emmerich. Written by Roland Emmerich and Dean Devlin. I didn't rewatch it. It's kind of become a thing to just watch it on July Fourth. Yeah. So I've watched so around it around the time I watched it. Yeah, I watched it like a week a later, maybe very long time, like once a year for eight years or whatever. This movie up. is insanely rewatchable. Oh, like, it's it's one of the, it's a fun movie. The effects hold up. I mean, I didn't rewatch this, did I? I didn't rewatch it. I have not rewatched it. I watched it. It was on HBO. I watched it maybe two and a half I, weeks ago. I own it. So I've, I've been watching it on July 4th for ever. I only saw it once as a kid, and I remember it was when it was a big deal. It was a, I mean, this was the biggest movie. Yeah, I think not it actually, of this year, I know Titanic like, broke it, but I think it, might have been the all-time leader Which or second. Which fast food place picked up? It was Taco Bell, wasn't it? What? Like, Independence Day, like, they had, like, different um, stuff for, like, cups. Oh, probably. I think it was, I know where I I worked think at, it was Taco Bell. When I worked at BK, they had Spider-Man 2. That was a big thing when I worked there. Was, I had all these Doc Ock stickers. And oh, yeah. Okay. You could win a million dollars on this tag. Yeah. I wouldn't doubt that. It was huge. I mean, I mean, this and like Twister were the two biggest grossing movies probably of the year, I'd imagine. Up yeah, there. Twister was up there for sure. I mean, English Patient made a lot too. I think. I mean, Mission Impossible. Yeah, Mission Impossible. Yeah, didn't it make like four hundred million. Yeah, The Rock was three, three and three fifty. Okay. So yeah, I mean, Scream was one seventy three. So yeah, I mean. But this was eight seventeen. Yeah, like at the time, I think it might have been either highest grossing or behind Gone with the Wind, just based on inflation yeah. and shit. I think you're right. Because then, yeah, Titanic, Titanic came in and broke just it, and then a lot destroyed of movies broke it since. Yeah. Yeah. Whether it be Avatar, Dark Knight, or in the Harry Potters, Star Wars, Avengers, any of that shit. Yeah. I mean, it's probably 12th or 15th now. If that. Yeah, I don't even think it's that. But with inflation, maybe. Yeah, with inflation. Because eight hundred and seventy million in nineteen ninety six, dude, that's gotta be like one point four billion or one point five billion now. And that's the thing, like it had the same budget as The Rock. Yeah. Which is interesting because like Roland Emmerich, his career is kind of careened since then because he kept trying to replicate it. Yeah, just the disaster. He was but the just, disaster movie. Yeah, right? he did like 2012, Day After, Day After Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Just didn't work out for him. No. But he's got this one shining star. I love that. He's got a few going back. One of the other things about this movie is that like Bill Pullman. Dude, that is speech. The, the president that gives a great speech and then fucking goes and fights with the people. You're like, hell yeah, maybe that's, <laughs> that's my what president, a leader's maybe. supposed to be. And then you got, I mean, 
Quaid, Randy Quaid. Quaid, who's like the drunk who like overcomes it and plays the saves the cra- day. Well, I mean, he was a crazy guy who yeah, got and abducted. He, and, and he's a crazy guy. He's for a real. crazy guy who thinks he got abducted. Will Smith talking shit to aliens. This, this was, I mean, this was Will Smith. Everybody knew his who he apex. was, but this was his. I'm a fucking movie star. Yeah, between that and then the next year, Men in Black, like it's yeah. kind of his apex. And then you got Goldblum. Goldblum got even Harry Connick Jr. is in it for a few minutes. Yeah, he was this fucking wingman. Wingman. Who was the Goldblum's dad? He's been in some. Oh, uh, Judd Hirsch. Yes. Taxi. Big in Taxi back in the day. Yep. Um, and then there's uh, God damn it, Data. I don't know the guy's real name, but the guy, the mad scientist at at uh, oh at Roswell. That's the guy that plays Data. Data from Star Trek? Yeah. Is it really? That's the guy that plays Data. Jesus Christ. He put on some weight for this one, it seemed like, then. Well, they just make him look... They put the hair extensions on and make him look kind of crazy. I mean... He's, uh, yeah, he's the guy that's opposite. like against the glass at the end and is like, help. Yeah, that was a fucking cool fucking That's scene. Data. <laughs> I knew that back in the day, too. I don't know why I remember someone telling me, that. Like, you know, it's Data from Star Trek? I'm like, what? I never really watched Star Trek. Oh, it gets real good in a couple seasons in. Did you see the sequel? No. It's... I didn't really want to. Garbage. But, yeah. I it, it If I come across this and it's on, I, I watch yep. it. The it's Little Girls, May Whitman, like we mentioned. Yep. There's two May Whitman movies at a young age. The only movie she had even appears in any of our lists, I think I had Perks of Being a Wallflower one year. 2012 or whatever year that was she was the star of some kind of like teen rom-com that wasn't too oh long. the it's about god damn it i'll look it up i i, I heard it was pretty seen good. It offhand but it was it wasn't terrible yeah where she's it's supposed to be like girls that are like not supposed to be pretty looking yes even though i don't think she's like bad looking really personally but the the duff yes that movie was not terrible yeah like if i went to high school with that girl i'd be okay with it like she's not a bad looking girl at all like what girl may whitman the little girl from independence day the daughter of the person she's the one on the right oh, well yeah. that that's kind of uh I, if i remember correctly it's kind of um what was that makeover movie from the night she's all that She's all that, yeah. It had kind of that feel to it, where she—that's not how she starts the movie as. Okay. And they kind of give her a makeover kind of thing. Which is funny because, like, the girl in that she's all that's like fucking smoking. Like, you're just like, what are you talking about? Yeah, even ugly down, she still looks pretty fucking. Well, even weird. like the funny, like, not another team movie. They make she's all that's one of the spoofs, and <laughs> yeah, the girl, yeah. that girl's like smoking hot. Like, what are you talking about? Like, yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, wait, I just realized I might have missed a movie. On mine, I'm not. I'm not joking. Did I talk about? Did I talk about sleepers? No. Oh, I totally missed a movie. I just looking. I was like, I never talked about this movie. Uh, All right. Well, let's wrap it up here. I guess. Up. My bad. What number is it? That's my number four. 
I think after Scream, I thought I had three left because it was somebody's number four. Yeah, it was my four. I think it threw me off. Not that's your fault. It's my fault, totally. Okay, Sleepers is my number four. Tomato Meter, 73. Audience, 85. IMDb, 7.6. Metascore, 49. Based on the book by Lorenzo Carcaterra. Screenplay by Barry Levinson. Directed by Barry Levinson. Budget of 44 million. Made 53.3. Worldwide, 165.6. It's got Robert De Niro, Kevin Bacon, Brad Pitt, Jason Patrick, Dustin Hoffman, Billy Crudup, and Minnie Driver. Never seen Loaded cast. I just watched it maybe last Sunday. It was a long one, right? Uh, it's like two fifteen, two twenty, okay. maybe. Actually, it might two to two fifteen somewhere in there. So it's about. He starts off in the late sixties in the summer. There's these boys, they're four best friends. They're it's in Hell's Kitchen, New York, and they're kind of. It's a rough neighborhood, but they're also like they're not bad kids. But like Bruno Kirby, do you remember from City Slickers? One of the guys from City Slickers. He's in Bronx Tale too, I think. I think so. Plays one of the cowboys in City Slickers. Yeah. Like the guy who's like the ladies' man, even though he's with the mustache. Okay. Yeah. He plays one of the dads and he's abusive to the mom and like I don't know any of the kids in it. But um basically like they're best friends in this town and they they they're pranksters, they work for like local gangsters and they're the minute or the priest is De Niro, Father Bobby. And Father Bobby's like, you'd think at first, like, this guy seems dirty, but he's actually like, a, he's a clean guy. He doesn't, at least from what we know, he doesn't seem like he's right. into that shady shit. Right. Some spotlight type stuff. He just looks out for the community. If the kids need help, he helps them out if he can, if it's within God's domain or whatever. So. Maybe 30, 40 minutes in the movie. No, not even that long. 20 minutes in the movie, they they play a prank on a hot dog vendor. Like a guy has a truck or a little like tank thing and he pushes yeah. a long cart. And they, they play this prank where they buy a hot dog, they ask for toppings and napkins, and when he's looking away, they run away free. Well, a guy chases them, and the other friends take the thing and start getting free hot dogs. Well, they play a prank that he's not in on. Jason Patrick's character is a kid where they push this thing to the edge of like a subway stairs and it, the tanks the gas tanks to keep the hot dogs heavy or hotter is heavy and they lose control of it and ends up killing a man Shit. and they go to juvie for like i think he goes for a year and they go for like two years the other the credit or not credit up uh patrick it's because he wasn't involved in the actual pushing of that so he was involved in the prank but not that part gotcha so, Kevin Bacon is a, it's like a home for boys, Wilkinson home for boys. And he's not only abusive, but sexually abusive, him oh, and, like, a couple boy. other guys. And he's really good in it. He's fucking terrible, like, as a person, though. Like, just sure terrible as fuck. They get out, flash forward to, like, the 90s, present day. Mm. Or no, maybe not 90s. Oh, no, it's early 80s. I'm sorry. It's early 80s. So supposedly that's another thing. This is based on a true story, based on the book. It's been disputed because of how it plays out. Where like some of this is probably true, but it seems it's like em- a bunch of some bullshit. Embellished a little and bit. Lorenzo Calcaterra is based on the main character, which is uh, or his the main character is based on him, which is uh, Jason Patrick's character. Okay. So 
This is based on a book, you said? Which is based on true story. Right. Supposedly. And even Roger Ebert, I read it. I always read his reviews on things just to see yeah, what he I said. Do too. <laughs> and he was like, I find this far fetched. <laughs> so they go to the early 80s, and Billy Crudup is one of the boys who was in the place. And another guy, I can't think of the actor's name. I recognize him, but he's not one of the. He's not a household name. He. They see Kevin Bacon at a bar that they're at. That they kind of help. They're still those two are still kind of. They become criminals themselves, and they're kind of right. working with like mafia yeah. type shit. And they see Kevin Bacon, and they're like, when he goes to the bathroom, and he's like, "Dude, he's he's fucking here." Well, they shoot and kill him in a fucking open restaurant. Like they kill him in front of witnesses. Jesus. And leave, and they go on trial. They get arrested. They get put on trial. Brad Pitt is, as an older man, is one of their friends, one of the four that was there. He is an attorney. Jason Patrick is a um, journalist. And Brad Pitt's character works with, not the two people on trial don't know, but him and Jason Patrick together. Even though he's a def- he's the defense attorney, no, he's the prosecuting Prosecute attorney. Him. He is putting on a fix. Essentially, he's trying to get them off yeah. by fucking the case up. And they hire Dustin Hoffman, who's an alcoholic, and he's a f- like a shitty lawyer to fuck it up to de- to to be the defense attorney. Okay, but they play and they bring in people like some of the people that worked at the prison and like. Basically, I just asked him, like, did you did you ever witness boys getting abused? <laughs> yeah. What abuse did you see? And then eventually, like, he ends up hurting himself by saying, I was involved in it. Because, like, it was yeah. not just Kevin Bacon. It was several guys. Mm-hmm. And the guys get acquitted in the end. And at the very end, like, the dinner, many drivers, like, their uh, childhood friend, she's also, like, some sort of journalist of some kind but they'll have dinner at the very end they get their freedom they basically like brad pitt basically helped lose the case right and they don't know and they're like oh we fucking we should have known you were in on this shit <laughs> and they're like they have dinner and it's like the last time they ever see together because the very end of the movie like i think it's jason patrick's narrating and he's like two of us were dead by 30 three of us killed a man. Like it was kind of like one of those, like <laughs> we had like, this the hell is this going? And, then... and De Niro is the, the witness, even though he, he claims to have been with them, Billy Crudup and the other guy mm-hmm. at a Knicks game at Madison square garden. He has ticket stubs, but he wasn't with them. He lied. He, it's hard because he, he's a man of God. He can't lie, but he knows they didn't do it. Right. Or he, no, he knows they did it, but, he loves them essentially. And it's yeah. just like, so he helps them get off. And I mean, he probably of course waits with that for a while and the rest of his life essentially. But like they end up dying anyways, cause they're just shitty guys. Like they're just in the wrong crowd. Right. And then like Patrick and Dave bit pit are fine, but like bacon dies pretty early. It's, 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 it's a good movie. It's like, two hours ish maybe 215 i just remember being like going through the imdb list it was like number two or three 
It um, what's weird is it should have been like a huge hit, but I think it's just too dark of subject matter or like it's got a huge cast. Like Mindy Driver's like huge. the seventh person on that. Like that's pretty solid. That's yeah. pretty huge, yeah. Granted, what like Bailey Crudup was the sixth person I said. Goodwill Hunting was the next the year. next year, so that was when she blew up. Yeah, really for sure. So, I mean, Crudup at that point, what was he known for? He had the Prefontaine movie, I think. That's about it. I really know of. He might have been on TV. Was he a Maybe. TV guy? He might have been. I mean, of course, Bacon. Bacon and De Niro. was. No, I mean, Bacon I De Niro. Mean, Pitt. Pitt was. Pitt already done seven and. Or we run through it and uh, yeah, I forgot. I love that movie. Yeah, I'll be on my list for that sure that year. That movie's awesome. Uh, what's the other one? Uh, God damn it! Interview with the Jason. Vampire. Yeah, yeah. Thelma Louise. That was really early. Yeah. And then the other one with uh the Tony Scott one that Tarantino wrote. God damn! What's that one called? I own it. Well, yeah, it's it's really. I'm. I totally. I was just looking at my list. And I was like, I never talked about sleepers. I totally didn't. Where'd so, you have that four. in your ranking four? Yeah. No, that was one that now, I did want to watch. Now the problem with it is the reason it's disputed is like, let's say because juvenile records they describe in the movie like they get scrubbed. So like on his record it doesn't show he was in juvie or a boy's home, which would be juvie. So like. It's disputed that, like, this defense attorney purposely fucked... Our prosecutor purposely fucked up this case to get revenge. Yeah. Now, it makes... It's a cool story, because it's, like, kind of, like... In fact, there's a lot of corollary of Count of Monte Cristo in it. And, in fact, in the movie... John... Do you know who John Slattery is, the actor? He plays Howard Stark in, in Iron yeah, Man yeah, 2. Yeah. Okay. Yep. He's a madman. He's an English teacher at the, the boys' school, and he lends Brad Pitt's character the Count of Monte Cristo because he talks about how much he liked the book. And it was kind of like deliberate. Yeah, it's deliberate um, as fuck. Yeah. Well, it's like essentially like a modern telling of the Count of Monte Cristo. When did this take? When did it, it was, took place in? Late '60s is when the boys were in the home. Early '80s is when the the okay. modern story takes place. So they're probably thirteen in the home, and they're probably twenty six. Okay, I think it's nineteen eighty one, New York. Yeah. House Kitchen, which I always enjoy hearing because I think of Daredevil. Yeah, like no doubt. I think of a lot of things. I used to, I used to not even think that was a real place at one point. I was just like, oh, that's a real place. Oh yeah. No, I thought the same thing at one point. I was we like, should go to Hell's Kitchen. Yeah. Apparently, Hell's York's Kitchen awesome. is only like six blocks. Like, that's all it is. I went to, like, the real Chinatown in New York. It's fucking wild. Wait until we get to 1975 or wherever the fuck the movie that movie China- came that's out. That's not a good twist. <laughs> yeah, that was a good flip. That's Jesus. a good movie. We only have five more months, and we can do 2021. Yeah, yeah that's actually a fair point. We'll have to do that, actually, kind of. As so by well, I think we'll get oh, to ninety five, no. ninety four, ninety three, but then we'll probably go to twenty twenty one. Yeah, we might get ninety two in maybe. But I yeah, mean, what? How many we choose for each year? Oh yeah, so I see you're looking at the list. So my my missed the cut 
were Bottle Rocket, Independence Day, and The English Patient. English Patient is actually a pretty good movie. I'll give you that. I wanted to watch The English uh, Patient. It's long. It's but long. it was too long. It's actually pretty good. It's a good drama romance. Yeah. Uh, my need to watch were Shine, Bound, Secrets and Lies, and Sling Blade. I saw Sling Blade once, but it was so long ago. I only know of him. I know of basically what he's supposed to be playing, but you know. <laughs> TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I I always tried to keep a fucking foreign film. Oh, I you didn't have could, one, did you? I didn't have one this year. I tried to watch the Stendhal Syndrome. Mm-hmm. Was it two nights ago? Yeah, it was Italian. It's dog. Italian. It was Dario Argento. Oh, okay. Right? But it was on Tubi, and it was fucking dubbed, and there was no changing it, and I was like, fuck, fuck this. this. I hate dubbed. It's so bad. There was one called Pusher, which I think was Korean, which I just didn't get around to seeing. It's like a fucking action horror film. Wait, what was Secrets and Lies, though? Was that foreign? Secrets of what? Secrets and Lies. That was like an 8.0 on IMDb. I'll have to see if that was for Thesis was another one. It was a Spanish oh, like yeah. snuff film movie, but that wasn't available anywhere either. I wanted to buy it, but they don't like Oh, no, it. it was in English. My bad. 8.0 in IMDb. 91 meta. Holy shit, we should have watched this movie. But, yeah, I mean, to me, like, there was... There are some movies I can't top, like think of off the top of my head because I don't write shit down. Yeah, I mean, but like there was the... I watched them, I was like, or I started reading about. Them, I'm like, that sounds great. Oh yeah. And then it's like, oh, 145 minutes. Oh, 150. I felt like this year had a lot of movies that were very high. Like in, another like, one I wanted to watch because it was short was Waiting for Guffman because I like Christopher Guest I, stuff. I, I, do I love this is Spinal Tap. That's such a good movie. Yep. Uh, the dog training one. Oh, yeah. That well, was good. Uh, Best in Show. Best in Show. Yeah. But I watched the trailer for Waiting for Guffman. Like, go fuck yourself. It looked rough. I lo- it looked, I, no, I I looked, it just looked uncomfortable. Uh, yeah. I, um, 101 Dalmatians. The live I almost wanted to put that on my... That was, was, I saw it in that theaters. Was, that was very That's close to making flight. my list. That was very close. We like, used to go every Thanksgiving... We'd have Thanksgiving at Rochester Hills with my grandparents. My aunt Kathy would always take us kids to the grandkids to the movies, like yeah. all seven of us. And we, that was one of the, that was the year we saw that. We saw Flubber yeah. one year. We saw I yeah, that movie was terrible. That was God terrible. damn it, that was terrible. Jesus. Even my aunt when we got left, she's like, that was she's, bad. She's not even like a bad mouth. She was like, that was really bad. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean. I think it's time to close down the BNB. Oh, People versus Larry Flint. I was kind of interested in, but I didn't see it. Yeah, I didn't see that either. Yeah, I like that movie, but Long Kiss Goodnight. It's oh, like yeah. Samuel Jackson and Gina. Or, time to Kill is this year too. Time to Kill. Yeah. Yeah. Um. God, I I watched The Craft for the first time. It wasn't terrible. Oh, Bound. We never watched the Bound. It was the Wachowskis, lesbian like LGBT crime movie. movie. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that would have been great. The Disney movie this year was Hunchback and Notre Dame, which was fine. That's one of my favorite songs. 
Disney songs yeah. is from that movie. I thought that was going to be one on your list for sure, but... No, the the movie isn't very good. Yeah. Mulholland Falls I wanted to see. It was Jennifer Connelly and... Uh, oh, okay. It's a cop crime movie. You know, this is actually, since we've gone backwards, the first year I didn't look at the Ebert and Siskel year-ends, because usually they give me something where it's like, oh, yeah. well, I'll check this out. Uh, we got to hurry this on. I got an hour and a half of pee that I have in me right now. You're okay. I'm surprised you didn't have multiplicity. You kept talking um, about that. I talked about movie. it. I thought about putting it on my list, but it didn't make my list. I It was so close, but again, I sat there and had to review everything. All right, so... 95, we're probably going to go back up to Ten. 9 and 1. It's going to be really good. Yeah, I think, and the little bit of looking that I 94. did, 95, 94, and you could probably go all the way to 90. Yeah, there's yeah, some really way. good movies coming, years coming We'll up. take each year as a step, but yeah, we'll just plan 95, 94. This was far and away the weakest year yeah. we've done, I think. Yeah, yeah, this has been a pain. I'd say at least four of these wouldn't have made my list most years. All right, Anyways. so. Well, shit got a little loose. Hopefully you understood everything. Whether or not you agree or disagree with our take on the movies, hopefully you learned something or were at least entertained. So come back for more. Booze, Booze and, and Bullshit. bullshit.